1: I put up the flag a month after I was here. No matter where I've been, there has been a Confederate flag hanging in my premises. It is part of the way I was raised. It is a part of our heritage. It is what we eat breathe from the time we were little, old enough to understand the words that were coming out of our parents' mouth.
0: Three white students charged with a hate crime tonight after horrific allegations from their African-American roommate. And here's what prosecutors are saying happened. They're saying the three defendants tried to put a bike lock around the neck of the 17-year-old freshman and then told him they lost the keys. Now, they taunted him by calling him three-fifths, any student of American history knows that's a reference to the way the American government used to count black people. And they decorated the college dorm suite they shared with the Confederate flag, Nazi symbols, and other racial epithets. Zika! Up front tonight, Santa Clara District Attorney Jeff Rosen. Uh, Mr. Rosen, this is a... Uh this is a bizarre story, I can't believe that we're actually talking about this happening in 2013 in the United States of America. This sounds like this is something that would have happened in the 1960s during the civil rights struggles or perhaps even a century before. What else can you tell us happened?
2: First of all, uh, I agree with you, Miss Burnett, I can't believe that in, in the year 2013 we're talking about uh, an African-American student being treated this way. Uh, who had his his residence the dorm room after all was his residence uh, turned into this horrible atmosphere of hate where he was subjected to these horrible slurs and then physically assaulted as a result of them so we're we're taking this case very seriously in the district attorney's office uh, we've charged the three young men involved with battery as well as a hate crime allegation to represent that a substantial factor in their actions uh, was motivated by the fact that this young man was african-american
0: now how long did this go on before anyone found out about it and was it I mean, you're talking about three students here uh, that are being charged but what about what about anyone else did anyone else know anyone else in any kind of position of authority that could have done something
2: well, sadly there were this went on first of all for several weeks for actually two to three months uh, there were other people that knew about this there were eight men eight young men that were living in this a four-bedroom dormitory suite that shared a common area. So three of these men we've charged with crimes, but the other four men were aware of this and were not upstanders, did not stand up and, and do what's right here, and that allowed this conduct to continue. In fact, uh, the victim's parents, when they came to visit him once in early October, they saw the Confederate flag, they saw the N-word scrawled on uh, a dry erase board, and they told the young men in the dorm room this is not acceptable, you need to stop doing this. And instead of doing that, the young men then wrote a threatening note to, uh, to the victim in the case saying, uh, you know, you've been invited to join our group, and if you don't do it, bad things are going to happen to you.
0: So, so there is one report that at least one of the defendants, one of the, the people that you have charged, uh, downplayed the taunting and said it was just jokes, and it was just pranks, um, just things that might sound horrible to other people, but if you're on the inside, then it's somehow going to be acceptable. Is it in any way possible, from what you understand, that that could have been the case, when you look at the young man who was targeted here?
2: Absolutely not uh... the young man who was targeted here and was who on a number of occasions was barricaded in his room uh... on one occasion the three men wrestled into the ground and put a bike lock around his neck uh... And, and then on another occasion tried to do it again and and the young man was able to fight them off uh... He, this the young man the victim in this case Uh, was terrorized it was difficult for him to study he locked his door at night because he was afraid they would come in and hurt him and he he tried to spend as little time as possible in the dorm room he told them not to do this to him he told them not to call him this offensive nickname three-fifths so instead they started calling him fraction
3: context of white supremacy Justice Gus Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Tuesday, November 26th, 2013. So I have been told. Uh, we are remaining active uh, during this so-called holiday week, uh, moving right along in autumn. Uh, we will be back. Tomorrow, uh, we will have uh, Professor Princeton University. Uh, she has a book, The Nature of Race. Remember what I said yesterday uh, when I guessed when she said that we have all been programmed, humans have been programmed, hardwired. I think that was the exact phrase that she used hardwired to place other people into racial categories. And I said, just stay tuned. That's going to come up again. Tomorrow, Uh, the only thing, it'll be a little bit earlier than our normal broadcast time. Uh, We'll be on tomorrow at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. Central, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. A little bit odd. I don't uh, generally like having programs that are outside our normal time, but I was trying to accommodate uh, our guest for uh, tomorrow's broadcast uh, Professor Ann Morning, but uh, hopefully we'll be constructive. Uh, I have more to say about that later, but tune in tomorrow. Uh, every day for the rest of the week, Dr. Welsing will be with us on uh, Thursday, Thursday evening, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, the Book Club, fourth installment, 12 Years a Slave uh, this Friday, and the compensatory call-in on Saturday, uh, remaining active as we close out November 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've been talking about this uh, incident, what's been going on down at San Jose State University. Uh, I played a news clip uh, related to that uh, this past Saturday, uh, and I had said then that I was hoping that we could get uh, some of the black students uh, who are at San Jose State in the epicenter of what's been happening to get their response. Uh, I was very happy to see that uh, where this incident was reported that the black students there many of them they were organizing and they were saying that we want to draw more attention to racism on this campus not just uh, the unfortunate incident that happened to this 18 year old black male uh, but incidents that have happened before this Uh, this is not the first time uh, that racism has been a problem for us uh, here at san jose state university Uh, and just for if there are any parents listening to the program always make an effort to encourage non-white parents to make sure that we are being honest and talking to our children about racism because it is a problem and a failure to talk to your children about racism we've said this many times before you get an f as a parent Uh, and if you fail to do so you are just setting them up to be abused because it's going to be a problem for them and uh, anyone out there who doubts that, that's so why I make an effort to include clips that are revealing information about racism being practiced at schools. And as I've been saying, it's just been piles of them. It's not just been San Jose State. It's been everything from kindergarten all the way up to grad school. Uh, I didn't even look, and I'm not saying this because I don't want any kudos or anything. I didn't even look. I just thought off the top of my head. Can I recall some of the incidents dealing with racism that I've heard? on major campuses over about the last year or so. These are just some of the things I remember off the top of my head. I would encourage you to check. You can go online, I'm sure, and verify that these things did actually take place. Uh, the University of Texas, Austin, they were throwing bleach balloons uh, at non-white students. Uh, there, there were several incidents. This wasn't just a one-time thing, but white students, they were yelling things and throwing bleach balloons at different non-white students. Uh, at old Miss, They had uh, reports of rioting after President Obama was elected, where white students were upset. Uh, They were burning things, yelling, uh, got very ugly. They had video footage and pictures of this uh, from November 2012. Uh, Hampton, Sydney, same thing. In fact, it was even more aggressive there, where they attacked a building, a residence, where predominantly black students were housed. They went there, they were yelling nigger, throwing bottles all because they were upset that President Obama was reelected. This was also in November 2012. Uh, we had a black student at Oberlin College. That was earlier this year uh, when they had racist graffiti on different parts of the campus. They had reports that someone was on campus walking around in a Klan outfit. Uh, they reported later they tried to say, well, oh, no, 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 this is just a prank. And some white students who were just being goofy and silly and, and some college stunt, uh, but we had a black student on at Oberlin, and same thing I said already, it was not just one isolated incident. There were many incidents of racism that had been happening that were a concern for the black students on the campus uh, at Ohio State University. Uh, This was in 2012. Uh, This was just when the Trayvon Martin situation first broke. Uh, This was within maybe two months of this becoming a big deal. Uh, They had someone spray-painted on one of the ethnic studies buildings supposed to be a place where non-white students, black students can go get support resources. They spray painted long live Zimmerman. This was within the first couple months after uh, Trayvon Martin was first murdered. Uh, And then at the university of Kentucky, I remember that because this is one of our very first broadcasts Uh, way back in 2007, they had they have, were having an issue about black students not being allowed in predominantly white sororities at the University of Kentucky, Lexington. In the school paper, there was a cartoon that depicted black people being auctioned like slaves to different predominantly white fraternities sororities. And they were being bid on by white like clan members and they had different racist names for the white Clan uh, members or different white organizations, fraternities that were bidding on them, like alpha clan clan type thing. Uh, this was in two thousand and seven, and then again, at the University of Kentucky, they had an effigy of President Obama was lynched and hung in the middle of campus. This was in two 2000- thousand. 11, just because they were upset with him or disgruntled about having this non-white person in the White House. That's just some of the things. And I'm leaving out all the stuff that popped up with Halloween with blackface and all the other costumes. I'm sure I could have piled up a lot more. As I said, that's just stuff that I remember off the top of my head to encourage. If you have non-white children, if you are an attentive parent, you really got to make an effort to talk to your children about racism, because if you don't, you are sending them to the wolves totally unprepared. That said, uh, our guests for this evening's program, hopefully we'll have uh, quite a few folks to, to chime in and share, and we can we can hear if their parents talk to them about racism, if they talk to their parents about uh, what's been happening, particularly with the, the break about to come up, and I suspect a lot of them going home to see if they've been talking to their parents about all this. Uh, but we should have several uh, members uh, from San Jose State University's Black Student Union. They have been super active. They had a uh, Black Thursday last week to call attention to this incident with the uh, terrorized 18-year-old student, uh, as well as other incidents of racism on the campus. They've been chugging right along, uh, doing lots of events, rallies, uh, talking to the press, and we are elated to have uh, hopefully several of them on the program with us this evening. I know at least one, uh, we had the president, of the Black Student Union, joining us live. So happy to have her on the broadcast. Uh, joining us, Miss Danielle Miller. Uh, Miss Miller, are you on the air with us? To
1: to
4: Hello, hi, I'm here. Greetings.
3: Outstanding. Uh, so thankful to have you on the program. I know you all have been super busy and probably preparing to go home and spend some time with your family as well. Um, for folks who, I guess they don't know you, anything that you think would be great uh, for listeners to know about you and the work that you do with the Black Student Union, uh, feel free to share.
4: Okay. Um, well, it's not just the Black Student Union. It's other black organizations on campus. We have a thing called Black Unity Group that encompasses all of our organizations. It's DSU. It's BASE, Black Alliance of Scientists and Engineers, CCM, Black Campus Ministries, and National Panhellenic. It's our fraternities um, and sorority council that are um, historically black. So it's all of us working together.
3: That is phenomenal. Outstanding. Even better. Um great. Do you want to tell anything, I guess, uh are you is that accurate? You're the president with the black student union?
4: Yes. Yes,
3: I okay. am the president Okay. Uh do you want to tell uh the folks anything specifically with the black student union or any of the other affiliated black organizations, uh what you all what you all do, your mission, what you've been doing this calendar year?
4: Yeah, um our mission as our organization is to uplift, empower and unite the um Black students on campus so we've been having events we have um, bi-weekly meetings we've had a lot of great discussions about um, stereotypes and like being black and staying on track is how to get in here and graduate and get your degree Um, we've also just been having some social events too and fundraisers and things we're having our charity gala um, on Sunday December 8th to raise money for sickle cell anemia
3: (laughs) outstanding outstanding okay Uh, and just I guess for folks so that they know uh, San Jose State University, I think the student body total population is roughly 30,000, and the black population is about 3%. Is that accurate?
4: It's a little under 3%. We're a little under 1,000. It's about I think the last count was
3: 963. Wow. Wow. Yes. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I will – As I said, I definitely wanted as many folks to participate as possible. Is it? uh, I can check to see if other folks dialed in, or if you have other folks who are with you who also want to share. Uh, Is that? Do you know if that's the case?
4: Yeah, we have. I have three other board members with me. Want them to introduce
3: themselves? Absolutely.
5: Okay. I am uh, Alexander Donald, and I'm the vice president of the Black Student Union.
3: Alexander Donald, can we ask what year you are? I am a junior. Junior. Outstanding. Thank you so much, Mr. Donald, for joining us. Uh, let's see. There, You said three, so there could be two other people?
6: Hello. My name is Drew Warmsley, and I'm the director of outreach for the Black Student Union here on campus.
3: Okay. And what year are you?
6: I am also a junior here.
3: Junior. Outstanding. Okay. And we should have uh, – is Drew Warmsley? am I saying your name correctly?
6: Yes, you are.
3: True, warmly. Okay, Director of Outreach, junior. And we should have one more person.
6: Yes.
7: Hello, my name is Jeanne Gay. I am the black community representative for the Black Student Union.
3: And what year are you?
7: I'm a second year.
3: Second year, a little younger. Okay. Outstanding. Have four folks uh, chiming in. I, will, I guess I can ask, uh, should be obvious, but all four of you, are you all black students? Outstanding. Okay. Um, wow. So many folks here. Uh, I guess we can, we can take turns. I think for some of the questions, it would be good to kind of get a response from everybody so you can share, um, And I guess some of these that, you know, just to kind of kind of move through, you all can pick if you want to designate one person to answer for some of these or we can just get a quick response and keep it moving. Uh, If there happen to be other folks who are at San Jose State University who dialed in on their own, uh, if you're on the line, uh, we would love to hear from you as well. The more the merrier. Uh, You can press star six. And you should hear an audio prompt to press the number one. And I will see your hand on the switchboard, and I can bring you into the conversation as well. Uh, I'll ask a few times just in case any uh, other members dialed in or happen to be listening. If you're listening uh, and you are a student there, feel free to dial in as well. Uh, It would be grand to hear from folks. Um, So I I hope people heard the audio clip at the beginning that we started with, just to kind of give a quick overview uh, of what. I guess it would be good, since you all are right there, to kind of explain how you heard about what happened uh, with this 18-year-old black student uh, who was being terrorized, from what I've read, for several weeks that this went on. If you want to pick kind of one person to kind of give us a summary of of how you heard about these events.
4: Yeah, um, I can do that. Um, Ironically enough, we were in our Black Student Union meeting, um, and we were about to kind of wrap up, and we one of our officers saw the article and tweeted about it. So we saw it on Twitter, and we kind of were all reading about it as we're kind of trying to close up the meeting, and it just broke from there. It was That was the first we ever heard of it, so last Wednesday.
3: Huh. Okay. And I guess if I'm – I want to give a quick summary, and then you can let me know if I left out anything or if there's anything that I guess maybe we missed in the national media – uh, as I said, 18-year-old uh, black student. I think uh, they've been keeping his name anonymous to kind of protect his privacy uh, since he's a yeah. victim in this case. Uh, that he had, he was in a suite. There were, yeah. I think, a total of eight people. Uh, yeah. They were white students. These other his other suite mates or roommates. That for several weeks, they said that this one, about eight weeks. Uh, they were calling him names, uh, three fifths fraction uh they had a confederate flag up uh maybe even calling him nigger uh they had a u-shaped bike lock that they put around his throat uh they said that they had lost the key uh they tried to do this again Uh, he defended himself he was assaulted i think he got a uh, cut on his lip uh when they when he attempted to defend himself to not be locked again uh they barricaded his room with furniture uh, and that this had happened over the course of about eight weeks. Is that an accurate summary according to what you all have heard?
4: Yes, that's accurate.
3: Okay. Uh, and that he did not go to police or campus security. He didn't do any of that. Uh, from what I read, he he just was hoping that this would dissipate on its own. He didn't want to make any trouble, so he was not telling anyone about this. Is that
8: accurate?
4: That's not entirely accurate. That's how it first came out. But what we've been finding out as this has been developing is that the first police report um, kind of thing that was filed was filed back in August. So I'm not sure if it was him or his RA that did it, but there was something filed like on this incident back in August.
3: Wow. Now that that contradicts what I've read consistently. I mean August. That means this has been going on for a yeah. lot longer than what they it's have been reporting.
4: Like more information has been coming out as it's been like evolving and getting higher up in like the terms of the news, more information has been coming out.
3: Wow. I'm not surprised, but I'm so glad. That's why I thought it would be good to have you all on the program. Uh okay. Um I guess from the time you all were in your meeting, so you're getting this information that this has happened, uh, what were your first thoughts? I guess this would be one that might be good to kind of hear from everybody. What your first thoughts when this happened, uh, and if you all have experienced any incidents of racism where you heard this and thought, oh, man, I've had problems here myself. I guess we can go and, and kind of get a response from everybody on this one.
5: Okay. <clears throat> well, first of all, our response, like, we were very saddened. That uh, these types of things, uh, that these types of things still happen, and the fact the fact that it happened on our own campus was also very troubling, because you, uh, when you go to a college, you would never want to think that these types of things uh, could happen. Could happen I mean, when you choose what school you go to. Like this is for example, when you think of San Jose State, you know uh, they always say that they're the most uh, one of the most diverse campuses. In California things like that, you know, so when you come to this campus, you don't expect for things like that to happen here so our we were just very sad very uh very mad also a we we uh, lots of students were mad and and just uh shocked too we were also shocked
1: so
6: Six. oh um. Well, personally, I was very angry, but I had to calm myself down. But, uh, you know, like he was saying, like Alex was saying, you never expect things like that to happen on your campus. And it's quite funny. My freshman year, across the hall, there were these two gentlemen who were not black. And every time me and my black roommate would walk down the hall, they would call us, like, Condoleezza Rice or, you know, Oprah and things like that. And it's not actually till now that I sit down and think about it. Like, you know, that was – a form, even though it wasn't as tragic as what this young man has uh, been through, but you know that was a form of like you know hate and uh, uh, racism towards us, and me and my roommate would just brush it off to the side, but now that I sit back and think about it, I get a little angry like why like why do people do that like where Where do you come from and you know how were you raised to where you think this is okay and you think it's funny? And, you know, we were just a little outraged about those kind of things, and we just had to take our anger and use it for something positive, which I think that we all have done.
7: Mm-hmm. So this is John A. Um, when we did find out about it, kind of silence left the room, outrage. Um, hurt. We all immediately were pretty sad that that student didn't reach out to us because if anything, we felt like we could have helped. We could have provided support for that student. Um, kind of pondering, we just
6: sat there, just
7: like, what was going on? What should we do? And that's kind of where we um, brainstormed and got the word out about Black Thursday. So when we all went home that night, we kind of had it trending on our Twitters and anywhere that we could post about it. So that's how um, our action came about, too, it was planned in the FSU meeting
3: did we did we get everybody yep everybody I know Black Thursday was mentioned I want you all to explain uh, what that was about what transpired Uh, but before I do I think it was was it uh, Drew Ormsley Uh, was that you that said you had the incident where uh, you were being you and your I guess black roommate or black friend you all were being called uh, Condoleezza Rice and Oprah Winfrey was that you
6: yeah Yes, it okay. did happen.
3: Were these white people that were doing this?
6: Um, if He was a Hispanic boy. I don't know what type of Hispanic, but he was Hispanic, so he wasn't white. But, you know, it comes to show that, you know, we can't just – it's not just the white people who do this. You know, it, it's everybody, you know, everybody kind of does these kind of things without really thinking about it. Whether or not you see it as a big deal or not, you know, it still happens from everybody.
1: Hmm,
3: Okay. Wow, and you said that that those incidents uh, they happened before. You didn't really. It didn't bother you. You didn't really think about it until not, these incidents. Go ahead, go ahead.
6: Not that it didn't bother me. I always used to look back like, in my in a nicer tone, I would say, you know, my name is Drew. Do not call me Oprah. Like why do you keep calling me Oprah and things like that. And he would kind of laugh about it. And it's not now that I actually sit down and realize that it was a form of a hate crime. Like you know, I never went to anybody and you know and told anybody about it. Me and my roommates and my friends we would just be mad at this kid but, you know, it's now that we actually sit down and think about it and we're a little older and more mature to realize that, you know, that wasn't right. We should have said something more about that and went to somebody because he's doing it to us and he could have went around and did it to somebody else. And everybody's personalities are different. You know, uh, somebody could have been a more invert type of person, and that could have hurt them more. So when I say when things like that happen to you, or you see things like that happen, you need to stand up, because just because it doesn't bother you in such a way, you don't know how it could affect somebody else. And because you're not saying something, they're going to turn around and do it to somebody else, and you never know what that can cause the other person to do to themselves or make them feel.
3: Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I guess this is when you can uh, pick whomever uh, to explain uh, what Black Thursday was about and what transpired at those events.
4: Yeah. um, So Black Thursday, it was a tradition that we had on our campus. For something else, um, a few years back, it started kind of with the Greek community and kind of – Um, just with the black community in general. Um, But we made it this Thursday, or last Thursday, what we did was it was kind of just like a support march for the victim and the victim's family to just let him know that there is a community here that does support him, and if he ever wanted to come out, you know, and, you know, be unanonymous, that we would support him and welcome him with open arms.
3: Okay. And you all had, uh, did any administration uh, come out to support you in this event, uh to let you know that your concerns were being heard and that they were going to do as much as they could to resolve this situation uh, to, you know, everyone's satisfaction?
4: Yes. There was a lot of um, faculty and staff there and also um, one administrative person, uh, our vice president of student affairs, Bill Nance, he was also there he spoke.
3: Oh, okay. Okay. Right on. Uh, now, from what I read uh, in the Mercury, I think that's one of the local uh, newspapers, uh, they, the NAACP, they were also involved in having a press conference, having a public meeting uh, to talk about these events. Is that was that connected to your Black Thursday event, or was that a separate event?
4: No, that was separate. That was after. That was actually yesterday that they had that press conference on our campus.
3: Okay, and you all were in attendance for that as well.
4: Yes, um, we were in some form. I'll let A. talk about that. Okay. Okay. So
7: um, as a black Unity representative, uh, uh, after the whole uh, incident, a lot of groups came in solidarity. So it's not just the black Unity either. It's a lot of other um, minority and ethnic groups and all kinds of groups. So um, yesterday um, we came basically to let people know that the NAACP does not speak for us. They did not contact us in any way to see how any of the students on campus, black Oaks felt about it and what should be done. So yesterday, when um, we had another march to the statues while the um, NAACP were do- was doing their press conference just to let everyone know that they do not speak for us, that this campus has not provided a voice for African-American students, that we have been trying to reach out to the administration. For- at- about the African-Americans' experience on this campus, and they refused to meet with us. Um, So um, this is an ongoing fight that we've been having on this campus. Our department was recently at risk of being cut, and um, it was granted a moratorium by the CSU chancellor, but this is something that we've been trying to fight for a while. So yesterday's march was just to let them know that we need our voices to be heard, and the NAACP does not speak for us. And they were not willing to to get in contact with us until, um, I don't know if they've been in contact with us recently, actually. So that's just the event.
3: So did the NAACP, to your knowledge, did they contact uh, any of the black organizations on campus prior to yesterday's event?
7: Oh, not at all. They absolutely did not, and that's part of our outreach because Um, And they still haven't, to our knowledge. They have not – we actually tried to get in contact with them when our African-American department was at risk of being cut, and they refused to get back to us. Um, They have not had any – that specific chapter has not had any contact with us about our issues as African-American students on this campus, even though that we have reached out to them.
1: Hmm.
3: Wow. That – Unfortunately, that, too, uh, is a bit familiar, I think, for folks who have done some studying of racism and actions uh, with regards to the NAACP and uh, younger people being ignored, left out, not having a voice uh, in dealing with racism. Uh, In fact, you can uh, check if you go to the Mercury, they have a report where they detail uh, some of the uh, I think legitimate concerns that you all raise, hey, you all are adults. Uh, no, no one that I think we're talking to right now is under 18. You all can speak for yourself. And I think you all uh, articulated or quoted uh, in the Mercury paper as saying, hey, we're here every day. We know what's going on. We feel we would be best qualified to speak about the racism that we have experienced here and what we think needs to be done. Is that kind of an accurate summation?
7: Exactly, right on the point. We have our voices. All of us on this campus, we are not middle school students. We're not high school students. We are grown people. We are all above the age of 18. We all make mature decisions. We all can speak for ourselves. So hopefully um, this is bringing out a message that we can speak for ourselves and we want to speak for ourselves. We're not kids.
3: Mm. Uh, you touched, I guess, this this can be one you all can pick, whomever you want to respond. Um I think you just, uh, touched on, uh, Ms. Janet, you were talking about the African American studies department, uh, potentially being removed. Uh, and this was prior to everything that happened with this recent incident of terrorism. Can you kind of give us a bit more information about, uh, when this was being discussed about removing the African American studies department? And if you think this is going to come up again, about perhaps possibly, uh, removing the studies
1: department.
7: All right. Um, well, this, Um, We've got news about our department being cut, and it was going to be merged into the sociology department as a program. This news broke out uh, last year, and from then we've been urging that our department not be cut because we need a chairperson, a spokesman for somebody to advocate for us. And we've had several forums where students have came and us that the department provides support for them, and we want to see our department thrive. The African American retention rate is low, so we need somebody that can support us. And, and with that being said, our department has 1.5 staff mem faculty. So we have one uh, faculty that is the chair of the department, and we have 0.5, and that's another lecturer. And they alone cannot support the whole school, so we've been urging for resources to be provided to that department so it can thrive and advocate for um, as African American students. So with that being said, um, our suggestions are are, are basically our our feelings about how an African American department and how it shouldn't be cut were just pushed to the side, um, and they felt that it would be better into a program, which ultimately wouldn't have helped the African-American student as a whole mass. It wouldn't have helped the department um, at all. So that's something that we were protesting about, petitioning about, um, talking to numerous people. We wanted the NWCP support on that. We wanted um, to have meetings with the president on that, and all of them have declined or not responded to our, our um, us reaching out to them.
3: Wow. For people who might say, you know, hey, uh, we're all going through a uh, tough time financially and these might just be uh, budget cuts uh, and they're not, you know, tossing it completely and just saying that they're turning it from a department to an African-American uh, studies program that is under the sociology department, uh, what would what would you be losing uh, if they removed the department and just made it a, a part of the sociology department?
7: The main thing that the students were urging that the it t- be merging into a program would be that we would lose our support. We wouldn't have a chair for the African American students. Um, we would, we love our faculty, our courses, the content of the courses would be changed. A lot was going to go into it being shut into, um, put into a program. So although we do have budget cuts, we did raise $209 million as a whole school that none of that money was actually advocated for the African-American department. We would lose the vote on student issues only department chairs are allowed to vote on. So that is a big thing with the department being merged into a program. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and that we would also lose um, professors that – relate to us and the content and professors that um, we would probably have professors that are not aware of the issues that us African-Americans face, period.
3: Hmm. Uh, Context of white supremacy, uh, just for listeners, uh, and you all can touch on this as well, you mentioned uh, the statue just so that people have an idea when they're talking about uh, cutting the African-American studies department uh, at San Jose state and this incident with the student uh, and other incidents, Gregory Johnson, Jr., which I'll get one of you to talk about as well, uh, where this is happening at uh, Juan Carlos, Tommy Smith. This is their alma mater. Uh, I hope people know who Juan Carlos, Tommy Smith are, but the statue that you all mentioned that you were going uh for the Black Thursday rally uh where you march to uh that to, to have uh to address what's been happening, uh they have a statue of Juan Carlos uh Tommy Smith. Uh that's that's where you all were for the Black Thursday, correct?
4: Yes, it's kinda of like a, a big focal point on our campus.
3: Okay. Okay. It, just for our listeners who might not know anyone, you all want to just give them a quick reminder of who Tom uh Juan Carlos Tommy Smith
1: are?
4: Um, yeah, they were San these State students that were actually in the 1968 Mexico City Olympics, um, and they made a protest-slash-stand, um, and they were stripped of their medals, and the picture, kind of the poses that they were doing, they had their fists up in black power, you know, they took their shoes off, um, they had their collars, um, they had their olive branch, so, you know, they had symbols that they were trying to portray, like it was a peaceful thing, they weren't trying to be, you know, disrespectful, but they just wanted to make that stand, um, and they were stripped of their medals and kicked out of our school, and the picture uh the, there's a lot of pictures of them, and that was made into the statues that we usually do things in front of
3: right on. right on um context always important uh before I get uh one of you to give some information about Gregory Johnson jr, uh just to add a bit more context again, and keep saying, you know this. It's never really one isolated incident when we're talking about racism, white supremacy. Uh, If you just do a bit more digging, uh, you'll see patterns and you'll see lots of incidents of white supremacy, racism. Uh, But before I do that, I just want to make sure I give out the names. Uh, The reports I've read, they've said that there were four people who have been arrested and they're looking at charging them with uh, misdemeanor hate crimes. Uh, They have uh, named three of the suspected white terrorists, uh, white racists, uh, their three names, uh, Logan Beachler, uh, he's 18 of Bakersfield, uh, Joseph Bumgardner, uh 19 of Clovis and Colin Warren, 18 of Woodcare. Uh, I wanted to make sure I get their uh, names out. They do not deserve anonymity uh, and hopefully they will be expelled uh, and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Uh, But before we move forward, uh, Gregory Johnson, Jr., uh, 2008, can you give our listeners some information about who Gregory Johnson, Jr. was, why his name is important?
5: Um, The incident that involved uh, Gregory Johnson, Jr., uh, Gregory Johnson was, uh, he he, uh, died in 2008, and um, the whole incident uh, occurred in the fraternity house uh, Sigma Chi, the Sigma Chi fraternity house. And the there have been evidence that well, first of all, they they said that he hung himself and they called it a suicide. But evidence shows and pictures show that um, it is is not is not a suicide. It, he has gashes on the back of his neck, a broken neck, and he and he was too tall to break his. He was about. Six one or 6'2 and they state that he hung himself in a basement that is about 5 foot and 10 inches that's, a, um, that's how uh, tall the basement was so he wouldn't have been able to uh, hang himself in that basement so basically the outrage over uh, that incident is that people feel that uh, the incident was covered up because it has never been brought up ever again and um, also, there wasn't a proper autopsy uh, or investigation that occurred uh, with the Gregory Johnson incident, and uh, to this day, uh, there's no new information or anything like that. So, basically, people are uh, demanding a proper investigation and a proper autopsy in order for um, justice to be served.
3: Wow, uh, is this uh, the what I think a murder? of uh, Mr. Gregory Johnson, Jr.? Is this something that is uh, discussed? Like, is this something black students on the campus, if you go up to just, it's, I guess there's not that many of you all, but if you go up, you see a black student, and you ask Gregory Johnson, Jr., are they going to know what you're talking about? Uh,
1: not,
4: necessarily. not necessarily the younger students. I know a lot of upperclassmen, we've We've known about this, and we try to pass the information along. Uh, like a freshman, I would, probably would guess, would know this information, probably like sophomore and up, like that have been – that talked about it or heard the name, and they've kind of done their own research as well as heard from other upperclassmen.
3: Uh, wow. I hope for uh, listeners, and I would even say you can extrapolate out globally, uh, patterns. Uh, I think they've been talking a lot more recently about Kendrick Johnson uh Frederick Jermaine Carter uh didn't get as much attention uh Khalid Flemban uh, Flemban uh also in your area right down in uh California uh too many of these incidents where strangely a black person dies suspicious circumstances and oh well moving forward nothing to see here nothing to investigate regular pattern of uh, this sort of thing happening uh and being ignored uh kind of what kind of this is when I think it would be good to hear from everybody uh, I think it, it, it's so important uh, having parents to talk to their children about racism. Before you got to San Jose State University, did your parents talk to you all about racism? And if so, what information did they share? Uh, this would be good to, to hear from everybody.
4: Okay, um, I'll start. Um, for me, um, my parent, my mom, did talk to me about it. Uh, we, I was raised in kind of like a predominantly like African American area, so whenever I would leave my areas, when I would encounter, like, other races and kind of issues and little things, like, just name-calling and stuff like that. So she would explain to me, like, what they're doing and why. And it was kind of eye-opening. As I got older, I started to notice more and more, like, you know, things you don't pick up, pick up on when you're younger. I started to notice more and more the racial issues that were with, like, my community, not only, like, as black people, but as, like, women, you know, discrimination, that kind of thing. So my mom definitely talked to me about it.
5: Um, For me, my parents have talked to me about the issue with racism, segregation, things like that, all my life, honestly. uh, I went to schools where it's predominantly uh, white, and um, not many black students uh, went to the school, and I also grew up in a neighborhood where it was predominantly white. But my parents still uh, made sure it was known that I know what racism is and also uh, what my ancestors went through, and things like that. And um, and when it comes to, like, uh, talking about racism before I came here, um, they just uh, also made that known to me to, like, uh, to look for signs, like look for signs or any symbols or anything that would show racism or any type of segregation or anything like that. Look for them, and if you see them, then report it or handle the situation as soon as you can. Because uh, if you don't, then things like the situation that this freshman student went through uh, can happen. So uh, that's for me.
6: Uh, personally, I, don't, I can't recall ever getting, like, you know, the race talk. Um, I went to uh, predominantly white Christian schools growing up, and never really had issues with, uh, with different races because I was just used to them. Um, When I came to college, I don't really remember my parents giving me, it was more of like just a personal be safe, not so much, you know, racist-wise. But after these incidents have happened and, you know, I call my parents, my dad, he calls me and he tries to give me, uh, you know, words of encouragement and, you know, things like that about, you know, racism, but not too much growing up. I never really had an issue with it and I guess they never really felt the need to bring it up to me. Like that, I never really had the problem, but you know, now that this is happening, they talk to me more about it. They tell stories of what they used to have to deal with when they were younger and growing up and things like that. So more now than ever.
7: So, um, I grew up in a predominantly white area. Um, uh, In elementary, I was probably one of the only. Less than 10 black kids in the whole school, uh, as well as high school too. Um, and but in middle school, I had the chance to be in a more diverse minority population. But during that time, I faced a couple instances where um, things weren't right. You and as a child, you. Are blind to a lot of things and you don't understand. So, um, growing up, I realized that um, when things happen to me, I would come home and say, "Mom, why is this? Why, why did they say that? What, what's going on?" And instead of being um, silent about it, what my parents urged is to speak up, speak up in a respectful way, make sure that your voice is heard, and that they know that it's not right. So. What they kind of prepped me on is um, anything, even um, girl issues uh, like sexual harassment against girls and all that things. They just told me to speak up if anything happened to me. Um, So that was just the main thing that I think everybody should prep their kids on is just to know what to do when situations like that happen.
3: Absolutely. I guess just to, to share, I'm curious, uh, can you can you share if you were going to school, predominantly white people, and you said some things were happening when you maybe didn't understand uh, that, oh, this is racism. Can you uh, share uh, one incident, if you remember one, uh, Mr. Gay?
7: Um, I remember one time, um, hair uh, being, uh, just being a black person, hair is one of the many things that is different from other races, so... Um, I was just getting made fun of about my hair, and I didn't understand why they would do that, why they were be- like bullying me and I said something at that moment, but I honestly um when I went home and discussed it, my mom explained to me that some people are not raised in a proper way, and they feel that actions like that is okay, but just to make sure that I gotta let people above me know that it's not okay but Actions like that,
3: actions like that. Okay, you should always speak up. In context of white supremacy. Um, I would definitely say uh, just uh, putting two pieces that we've talked about this evening together with what we have learned uh, about Mr. Gregory uh, Johnson Jr. Uh, and his unfortunate, I think, murder in 2008. Uh, what uh trying to make sure I get on my name. Mr. Donald shared with us when you let these things escalate, the name calling or picking on your hair or whatever the case may be, uh, it can get really bad. It can get to Gregory Johnson Junior. It can get to Kendrick Johnson, uh, to really make sure that you are proactive. I think one of you said that your parents kinda of told you to keep an eye out when you see it, uh looking like Things are, are going to injustice and mistreatment. Try to nip that in the bud immediately. Speak out, say something. Uh, if you can't handle it on your own, go to get help immediately because it, it can get really, really bad. Kendrick Johnson, uh, Gregory Johnson Jr. Um, Ms. Gabe, before I move forward, Ms. Gabe, at the time that you, the incident that you just shared about getting, I guess, teased about your hair, uh, was, did you have your hair natural uh, at that time or uh, were you using any straighteners or anything?
5: Oh am I sure?
9: Oh but well, we got they got dropped.
3: We'll have to uh to get them back in. I'll I'll uh check as soon as they uh, dial back in, I'll get them on the line. If folks are listening, if you have questions, uh then no... okay, we got them right back. Uh glad to have you all right back. You should be with us. Um I was asking uh Miss Gay uh, before I move forward, just at the with the incident that you shared about being teased about your hair, uh, did you at the time was your hair natural, or were you using any straighteners? Yeah,
7: my hair was natural.
3: Your hair was natural.
7: Yeah, it was, it was my
3: natural hair. I, I... Wow. Did that impact you? Like, did that make you not want to have uh, your hair natural anymore? Did that make you want to straighten your hair?
7: Not really. I I didn't feel like I had to be like the other um, races and stuff. But it just it really mind boggled me. And as the um, victim in this case, he probably just wanted the, everything to go away and everything to be okay. That's kind of how I felt. Like, why do you have to pick on me? I just wanted everything. Nobody wants to be picked on. So I just want everything to be okay.
1: Mm,
3: absolutely. Is your is your hair natural now?
7: At the pre- present moment, me sitting down, it's straightened because
10: it's straightened,
3: but yeah, it does go natural. <laughs> right on, right on. Um, this comes up all the time, and I think the incident specifically uh, on your campus with this 18-year-old victim uh, who was being terrorized for a month, and I'm so glad we had you on the program. This is, now we can say August. Uh, they got a report. This went all the way back to August, so for a much longer period of time than I originally thought. Um, with regards to white people being ignorant or uneducated, I think you were saying uh, that maybe their parents didn't raise them properly or didn't teach them properly growing up, so they don't know the correct way to treat other people. Uh, In this incident, they are reported to have been calling the black male victim in this case uh, three-fifths and just... Significance. What do you think the significance of these white students calling this black person three-fifths?
7: Personally, I think that these knew uh, enough uh, more than um, other races know about our history enough to um, actually torment this kid and mess his identity. So um, in this case, I don't feel like they were ignorant to any kind of history. I'm pretty sure I'm for a fact that they knew what they were doing and the kind of hate that they were employing to the
3: system. would probably be good to hear from everybody on this one. Uh, what, uh, from everybody, what do, you, uh, what do you think about these white students referencing this black person as three-fifths? Uh, and just, I guess, for the ease of listeners, since this, uh, we have quite a few folks here, if you all could uh, maybe identify so we know who the speaker is, that would be helpful.
6: Feel that they were very knowledgeable, like you, and it shows that it was just, you know, people trying to say maybe they were just bullying them, they think it was a joke, but when you go into that much detail and you are targeting a person specifically about who they were, calling them, you know, the N-word and calling them three-fifths, that is directed towards an African-American person. You use those words to degrade an African-American person. So they were knowledgeable. Business. So it wasn't it wasn't just a joke it wasn't just a prank they said these specific terms too specifically harm this African American
5: and uh, this is Alex and I also go the same way as and Drew
1: um, there was
5: no there was no ignorance um, they they that they're doing and uh, it couldn't have not been Symbols that they put, like the Confederate flag, Nazi symbols, or uh, some of them three-fix or fraction. It could have also been the things like putting the bike lock around his neck, uh, things like that could have been, let's say, a symbol of slavery. I don't know. Well, we don't really know yet, but it could have been, you know, just that. You know what I mean? They're, and they, they knew exactly, exactly what they were doing. And which uh, is a problem. Which is, is a complete problem. Problem.
4: This is Danielle, I agree with everyone. Um, something else I want to say, I don't know if you knew about this part in the article, but they, they wrote an apology letter, like a very sarcastic apology letter to the victim's family. And the things that they were saying, and they admitted it, you know, they were not saying that they didn't do it. They said, you know, let bygones be bygones. They were talking about Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Like, they were referencing things and saying things that it's obvious that it's not, that they don't know. They don't know, but they just don't. It's not that they don't care. Their point is, just as they said, let bygones be bygones, like, who, who said that? You know, if that's not, if they know exactly what they're saying and exactly what they were doing.
3: Wow. that's
1: uh,
3: there, there are two huge points. Number one, I think this might be the very first time, and we have four guests, but this might be the very first time, if not the first, this is one of the rare occasions when the black people that we're talking to Do not excuse racist behavior and say, oh, these white people are just ignorant. We just need to get them a few classes, a few seminars, uh, get them a few books, and they will be okay." And I think that is fantastic. I think that is one of the major uh, errors that we have been making over the years. And I've been guilty of this myself and saying that, oh, these white people are just ignorant. That's the problem. Why I say this all the time. I said this about eight thousand times yesterday on the program. White people are not ignorant about racism at all. Uh, And this this incident, I'm going to be referencing it repeatedly, this program and this incident. These are not Ph.D. white students. These folks are not in grad school. They haven't written a dissertation. These are 18-year-old white people, and they know enough to be calling a black person three-fifths intentionally to mistreat this person, and then it's reported in the story, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, you don't want us calling you three-fifths? Oh, okay, we'll call you fraction. Just that, I mean, that, in my opinion, is huge. That is going to be an example that I cite consistently. This point forward, any time that a white person is accused, found guilty of practicing racism, I wouldn't care what it is, there should never, ever ever, 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 ever be a presumption of ignorance. Never. <laughs> I just, I don't know how it ends up being that we end up taking that position. And it happens for you. Like I said, I've been guilty of it myself, but I hope that that's something that we can get better about, not just defaulting to ignorance and saying, hey, they're doing this. I'm going to take the assumption until proven otherwise that they knew what they were doing and this is what they wanted to do. They wanted to practice racism and mistreat this person because they are not white. Uh, and I'm just I'm astounded I was so happy uh, hearing all the responses from everybody and saying no absolutely no way these folks are not ignorant the second point with that apology that just I mean that is insult on top of insult to come back and quote Dr. Martin Luther King Jr and we were just goofing around and just having I mean really I hope they get expelled I hope they get convicted maximum extent that is one I wanted to ask as well they've been I think they've been charged with misdemeanor uh, hate crimes. And I think uh, several people have been saying that they think, hey, this should be felony hate crime, that they're getting off a little bit lenient. I think they were saying the penalty for misdemeanor hate crime is a year in prison. Uh, what, what are your thoughts uh, on, on the charges and, and what they could be facing with regards to jail time and or expulsion? Uh, we can, that would be good to hear from everybody on that one.
4: Okay, Um, I'll start. Um, The first thing about that is that they've only so far been suspended even though they've been officially charged. So that's something interesting to me. I feel like if you can be expelled like right on the spot for cheating or accused of plagiarism, why isn't something this serious automatic expulsion? Like they're just suspended. So as of right now, they could come back to the next semester or anything like that. I think that's weird. And then, as far as the charges, that was part of the reason that the NAACP had a press conference yesterday. They were asking for felony charges to be brought on because the students are adults and they knew exactly what they were doing. Because you are correct, with the misdemeanor, the only thing that they can have at the max is one year of um, jail. And it's in a county prison as well. I think
6: they get the most they can get. um, The fact that they're just suspended. They uh, were a boy and the I have in the I have six up. I have
3: up, not hearing, uh, not able to hear your, uh, response. Um, Hmm. Let's see. Okay. Uh, are you, oh, it looks like they dropped. I don't know if they have uh might be a bad connection. Um, let's see. I will look and see when they dial back in. I do see the folks. At least we have one person with a hand up with a question. Okay. They dialed back in. I don't know if they have a bad connection or not. Adding you all back to the line, thank you for dialing in. Um, for the folks, I don't know if it's a bad connection and we're getting dropped if there is uh, a landline, because I feel like the information that you all are sharing is, is great. If there's a landline, I can give you a call, and uh, that way it wouldn't you know, be a charge, and that might be a bit clearer. That's something to keep in mind if, uh, if you all keep having difficulties where it seems like you're getting cut off. Uh, if you email me a uh, landline number, I can Bring you, and we'll see if that might clear things up. That's just an option I can I can throw out if that will uh, be of help. Um, but Sorry,
4: uh, yeah, we're back. We moved around, and that's how we got um, the bad reception issues, but we're back now. Oh,
3: okay. Um, the uh, the female speaker that was just giving her response, uh, it kind
1: of cut out. Yeah, that was out. Drew.
3: Okay. Uh, Drew, we, we were not really able to hear you at all, so if you could uh, kind of start over from the beginning, that would be great.
6: Okay, I was saying that I hope that the students do receive the, the maximum of what they can get uh, for what they did. Um, honestly, in a way, these students were hazing this, indiv- this individual, and I know personally because I'm in a sorority, they take hazing at this school very seriously. There's been plenty of sororities and fraternities that have been kicked off our campus on the spot, uh, just walked up and said, you are expelled, you can no longer go to this school. But when it comes to these individuals who are hazing this young man, they they have a process that they have to go by, and they're telling us, you know, it's okay, they're suspended now, but we're going to go through this process. Well, where's the process with everything else when everybody else gets suspended? And I just think that, you know, they're taking their time with this, and
5: it's a bit unfair. Uh, This is Alex, and one thing uh – I feel like they, they should get harsher charges because, first of all, they're 18 years old. They are considered adults now. So this was their decision to do these uh, hateful things towards the student. Um, they, it, it was their decision as an adult to do it. And they shouldn't be given a slap on the wrist like they, they are still in high school or they're still juveniles. They are adults. They are, they're fresh. They're, sure, they are young. They are freshmen. They are freshmen. Here on campus, but at the same time, they're still adults, considered adults, and they should be um, treated—not not treated as adults—but they should be tried as adults. They should be charged as adults. So.
7: Hello, this is Janay. Um, going back to what Alex just said, uh, I was watching a report, and I believe the DA, the reason, um, the DA is a woman, right? She said that the reason why it is a misdemeanor charge is because they are, it's a college incident, and they're young, young boys, which I thought was really, really just sad because we're all adults here. It's, it's going to be, it's really sad that we're viewed as kids here. It shouldn't, we shouldn't be viewed as kids. So that was really just shocking that she said the reason why it's a misdemeanor is because we're college students. And I believe that we're all of the age of an adult, so we should be child as an adult. And um, if these kids are knowledgeable enough to actually implement this kind of hate crime, they should be knowledgeable enough to know that what they were doing was wrong and they should be um, charged with felony uh, charges. So. Uh, I'm sure they know what they were doing
3: and the repercussions that they were taking. Mm. That that last, I'm I'm so thankful you brought that last point up about the these pitiful excuses. Uh, one pitiful excuse number eight thousand and three, when white people try to justify practicing racism, ignorance. Pitiful excuse number eight thousand four hundred and two, uh, that oh we were just messing around, we were just joking. Uh that is, I mean, it's so absurd, it's offensive to even hear to say, well, okay, this was just some college students, college prank, a little tomfoolery, they were just having fun, so this is not going to be a felony. I am certain people remember Tyler Clemente, white male, committed suicide, Rutgers University, he was uh, so-called gay, they didn't treat that like tomfoolery at all. They treated that. This is serious. We are talking major jail time. And I believe they deported the male who was convicted in that case and saying that he was taunting, bullying this student and drove him to commit suicide. They didn't look at that as a situation of just a little bit of a college prank at all. And that sort of disparity should be pointed out because it's not like San Jose State University does not have a history of Suspicious incidents where you do end up with someone dying, which they said was even a suicide, Gregory Johnson Jr. That is absurd. And I see that pattern happen all the time where when white people practice racism, white supremacy, and it's not even just restricted to the collegiate level. It can be on the office when white people are making their tacky racist jokes. we talked about that on the program a lot as well. It always gets minimized with either ignorance, joking around, the person didn't know what they were doing, or they were just having fun. The comments about calling, uh, I think, uh, Drew, when you were saying earlier about being called Condoleezza Rice and uh, Oprah, Uh, it just gets minimized and not punished accordingly, where we don't take the crime of racism, white supremacy, seriously. Uh, If that Makes sense. Is that, I guess I'll ask you all, you are young black scholars, uh, next generation of folks who are going to be doing great things in the world. Does that comparison make sense? What happened at Tyler Clemente or is that, is that not an adequate comparison?
4: No, that's a great comparison, honestly. And that's just a difference of not only race, but also like the way the university handled it as well. I think that's really interesting to point
9: out. All right. I do see
3: uh, folks with, with hands on to make sure we don't miss I make sure we don't miss folks who have questions. Uh, the number, if you want to dial in, is 760-569-7676. And the code is five six four 943 pounds Press star six. If you have questions, you would like to ask some of our great black scholars from San Jose State University. Uh, also, if there are any folks who are on the line who are, at San Jose State University. If you would like to chime in, participate, share your views, we'd love to hear from you as well. Definitely make sure you get a hand up, Uh, just press star six, and then press the number one. I'll see your hand, and we can get you on the line. Uh, I am a bit confused looking through the numbers. Uh, Our co-host, Justice, if you're with us, uh, just press star. Do the same thing. Press star six, and then one. That way, I can figure out which line. I'm looking for your normal Skype line, but I don't see that. So if you dialed in a different way, um, just do the star six thing. That way, I know it's you, and I can get you on as well. See, I think we should have. I think this is Peaches. If you had a question uh, for our guests, your line should be open.
11: Uh, yes, can I be heard. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh. Hello to to the guests and to everyone listening. Um. I couldn't hear very well um, with the audio that that was breaking up when 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 Gus was asking. Um, Everyone, what did they thought? What did they think when uh, the terrorist was calling uh, the young man uh, three fifths? Um, and I'm, I'm not sure if anyone knew this or or said this, but it was an it was written in the Constitution that when we were in chattel slavery, we were considered three fifths of a human mm-hmm. being. And and also, I think the term African American is a misnomer because. I don't think that we were ever considered Americans as far as the Constitution goes, and I don't think that that was ever changed. And like Gus said yesterday, a white person from Africa, or or somebody said yesterday that a white person from Africa could be considered um, a a white person from Africa could could be considered um, an African-American as well. and there's two questions I want to ask. One is kind of personal. I just want to ask: Are any of you um, sexually involved with white people? And uh, what do you think about Kanye West uh, uh, and and his so-called ownership of of the Confederate flag?
4: I'm sorry. Can you just repeat the question? You want us to say our opinion about Kanye West and his ownership of the Confederate flag, and about
11: what else? Um, yeah. The, the the other question I I want to ask was were were any, were any of you are any of you sexually involved with white people? I mean, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. I'm
6: just
4: Are we involved? Are we involved with white people? That's the other question. Friendship-wise. You mean romantically or like friendship, professionally?
1: Sexually.
4: Uh, well, I'll start. Um, I'm personally not involved sexually with white people. I do have friends that are of white descent and other races. I do deal with them professionally. Um, and then, as far as Kanye West's ownership of the Confederate flag, I think that I don't think he fully it's understanding the impact and what he's doing with that. I think it's kind of, it turned into something bigger than what he intended it to be. I don't think he really necessarily wanted to make a whole movement about this, because I feel like if he knew what was happening on our campus with the flag issue, he would drop that, like, hot potato.
5: And um, from what I've heard and what I've read about the situation with Kanye West, is that he wants to change the image of the Confederate flag and change the image of the Confederate flag from white America to just the image of him. He wants the Confederate flag to be the image of him and of him and his clothing line and things like that. He's, what he's saying is he wants to change the image of the Confederate flag, flag basically. But that's from what I've read and what I've heard of, uh, him say about that. So Are
11: you like
5: this? I and also to answer after your other question, I am not uh sexually involved with any uh any white white people at all. Um
6: and <laughs> uh hi, this is Drew. Um my whole thing about Kanye West, he, he does things he he does things to cause a scene, and what my what my uh, vice president Alex was saying that might be completely true, but he did not have to choose the Confederate flag. He chose the Confederate flag because he's Kanye West and he likes to make a big scene and do something outrageous to people to talk about it. And I'm not sexually involved with any white people. I might have talked to my share, you know, uh, gone on a few dates with a white person here and there, but not sexually involved. No, not. Sexually involved with anybody.
7: Um, this is Ye. Um. Well, first of all, I would like to decline that question about being sexually involved with any race because that's just, to me, I don't see the relevance in that question at all to our problem at our school. Um, and Kanye West, I decline that too because he doesn't represent anybody but himself, so he's no concern to me.
3: Okay, thank you for answering the question. Mm. Oh, uh, the person that dialed in uh, last four digits six eight nine five six eight nine five. Did you have a question for our guests from San Jose State University?
8: Oh, hello. Um, I actually am a San Jose State alum alumni, and I was there uh, in two thousand eight when they did the the cover up of the modern day lynching of Gregory Johnson. So I wanted to kind of speak on that a little bit.
3: Oh, right on. Yes, sir.
8: Are you, uh, before,
3: can, I guess, can we get what you want to be referenced and then are you a white person, non-white person?
8: No, I'm not white. I'm black all day, every day. <laughs> right
10: on.
8: <laughs> and, uh, how do you want to be referenced? Uh, Bakari Matulu. I ain't trying to get my
3: government out. Oh, okay. Uh, can you say that one more time for me? Bakari Matulu? Bakari Matulu. Am I saying it correctly? Yes, correct. Okay. Yes, sir. Gregory Johnson Jr. Yes, sir.
8: Yeah, so part of the reason I feel that this was covered up at that time was that we the the police chief for the United or the police department at San Jose State was a was a black male, and we didn't have the resources to do the proper investigation. But the way that the investigation was carried out, they were trying to do a conjunction with the San Jose State Police Department as well as the the um, the college police police department. They they did it very quickly. They did it, covered it up. And then when the BSU and other organizations on campus addressed this uh, police chief, I don't know if I can give out his name or if I should or not, um, we held like a press conference with him, and it was all kind of backdoor. They didn't want to bring any media attention to it. And the next thing we know that he resigns over the summer when all the students were gone and that basically was it. They 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 uh swept it under the rug and nothing else was really brought up about it. Um his his mother reached out to the BSU and other student organizations to try to uh, you know, bring justice to his case, but the black community at that time, or at least the four years I was there, was very divided. There was no cohesiveness, there was not uh much uh unity. We had a bunch of different factions. Um, a lot of the different Black fraternities at this time were beefing with one another, and I feel like we had more unity within our community. We could have probably actually partnered with her and other organizations and to get on the to get to the bottom, you know, and, and find some truth. But I feel like it was covered up, in a, in a mainly by this black police chief, and then he resigned later. Hello? Yes. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's, like, the case today. It seems like there's a lot more, um, at least from what I'm reading and trying to follow this uh, this case on this uh, hate crime, that it seems like there's more unity in the black community as far as people rallying behind this hate crime. But uh, this is a different administration. I still don't trust the the white establishment or any Eurocentric University, But as as we can see as it plays out as someone mentioned that if it was if it was someone who was caught cheating or something, it would they would have acted accordingly and they would have acted fast. But now, you know, it's a little hazy as uh they still in the cow town that's what's going on and we're not seeing any justice.
3: Uh, any of uh the current students? San Jose State University. do you have a response?
4: Well, I agree with what he said. Like, there, it is an, a past administration. I mean, like, none of us were even here at San Jose State when the Gregory Johnson um, incident happened, but there is more of a unity now on our campus. Like, last year we did start the Black Unity Group, and that encompasses all of our organizations on the campus, so we are making big strides to become unified, and especially with something like this for all of us get behind, we are showing our unity more and more.
3: Uh, we had... I- All of a sudden, a lot of hands flew up. Uh, The alumnus at San Jose State, you can hang tight. Uh, If you have something else you want to get in, just hang tight. I want to make sure I get all of the folks who uh, dialed in. Uh, I think this might be uh, CynicalAfrican.com, investor uh, in the context of white supremacy, if I'm correct. Uh, Your line should be open. Could be Might be wrong. Uh, Three, five, five, seven, three, five, five, seven. Last four digits. Your line should be open. Hello, Gus. Greetings.
12: I'm on the couch, dog. Okay, I just (laughs) want to know, um, I just want to say my heart goes out to the victims at San Jose State University, and I just want to know whether you all stand today ever Uh, since this has occurred at the university (laughs) which you all attended.
5: You were asking where
4: do we stand, like as an organization?
12: You know, like what do you stand in, in in um in this situation? What do you all stand today um, when dealing with this situation? What
4: happened? Um, we're all obviously against it, and we're all trying to make sure that these the men that um my and abuse this young man are put through the legal system, and they have strong punishments. Um, we obviously are wondering, you know, why him, why this happened on our campus. It's very close to home, so um, we're all kind of angry still, even though it's it's been a little bit of time. We're still all very angry about it.
12: Okay. How does it affect you emotionally, like dealing with the fact that you've worked so hard to get where you are today and a scene like this occurred?
4: Um, for me, personally, it was hard to take emotionally because I did live in those dorms for two years, so that could have been me. Like, none of my roommates were African-American either, so that could have – like, I pictured them, like, ganging up on me in that manner, and I can't even imagine how I would deal with it. Like, it was very hard for me to handle because I was in that exact same living situation. Granted, I was lucky, and my roommates were very accepting, and we were all different races – so it, it went a lot better, but it was really hard to handle just to even, like, put myself in his position because I did live in that dorm, and that could have just as well been me. It could have been me. It could have been my friends. Like, it could have been anybody. And just knowing that that was really happening behind closed doors, like, who, like, and nobody knew. Like, it wasn't out, and it wasn't like anybody could help him because there nobody knew.
12: Okay. I just want also, to make um, Okay, you
5: go ahead. Okay, sorry. Uh, also, oh, my name is Alex, by the way. And uh, one thing that bothered me emotionally was that, like, it kept coming to our minds, like, if we, if one of us was in that situation, say it was it was me, or one of the board members, per se, like, uh what what could what uh, would we have done in that situation? And also, like, another thing is that we could have been walking uh, throughout this campus. We could have been um, hanging right in front of the uh, campus village uh, suites. And we could have saw him and we could have seen him. It could have been someone that we could have known, we don't know. And that's the fact that bothered us is that we could have either known that person or seen that person and uh couldn't see the fact that he was going through some um going through these types of things, such as these hateful crimes that were uh um acted towards him. So uh, that's one thing that bothered me personally.
12: Okay. I just want to make one last statement before I leave. I just want to say I'm proud of you all. You handled the situation constructively and well professionally. And don't fret just, stay, you know, stay in, I mean, you know, just stick in there and just continue to serve out your time at um, the university and just going with your life, you know. That's all I have to say.
5: Well, uh, thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your support.
3: All right, you too. Uh, They have. Uh, before I hit the next caller, I see a lot of hands. Going to try to get to them all. Um, whoa, one of our uh, investors, three hundred four. She sent a link. As I said at the beginning of the program, this is not isolated. This happens all the time. Uh, this is just scratching the surface. Doesn't matter which school you happen to be at. Uh, they actually have. Uh, you can go to J B H E. Dot com forward slash incidents. Uh, this is the Journal of Blacks in Higher Education. Uh, it's J-B-H-E com forward slash incidents. They have a whole page, whole tab, really, devoted to cataloging racist incidents on college campuses all over the world, uh, it looks like. Uh, they have the incident in San Jose State. That is tops on the list, I guess, uh You don't want to see your school on here, but they do have that incident, so it looks like they're keeping up in their current. Uh, But they also got University of Michigan fraternity at the University of Michigan planned a hood ratchet Thursday party.
1: Mm. Mm.
3: Uh, The person who dialed in last four digits, uh, uh, 9973. Nine nine seven three. Did you have a question for our young scholars at uh, San Jose State University?
9: Uh, yes, sir. Good evening, Gus. Thanks for taking my call. I, I just wanted to ask. Um, I tuned in a little late, um, but what happened to the student that? Um, what happened to the student that was the victim of this incident? Um, did he receive any type of uh, compensation or time off from the university? And um, you know what's going on with him now? Um, that was the number one question. And then my second question is, um, what other experiences with racism, brushes, have you had with racism on campus? Um, Have white people been uh, complaining about you, um, about affirmative action, or throwing buzzwords like that around or such? And those are my two questions, and I'll take my questions offline. Thank you.
13: Okay. Well, just to
4: start, I'm really sorry, guys. We're going to have our board meeting pretty soon, so we're only going to be able to take like maybe one or two more questions. Um, but to answer your question, we don't know what's going on with the victim. He still hasn't been named, and we do want to respect the family's privacy. So we don't really know if he's still here, if he's been moved, if he's gotten time off, what he's like, what has happened to him. We have no idea. That hasn't come out. Um, and just as far as my experience with um, like those kinds of things, with like people saying affirmative actions and stuff like that, being that I'm a political science major, like in my major, there's not been a lot of people that look like me. Um, So I have been getting, I don't, people don't say anything, but they kind of look like they ask me, like, are you sure you're in the right class, like, this is an honors class, are you sure you're supposed to be in here, you know, and it's kind of just, like, undertoned, like, they're kind of doing those kind of things, like, slyly, and, you know, I'm like, yes, I am supposed to be here, I am an honor student, thank you. So it's kind of, like, just little things like that is what I've been getting. I don't know if anyone else wants to share. Yeah, that's pretty much, we're all pretty much on the same page with that one.
3: Let's uh, see if we can squeeze in those two more before you all have to do your uh, meeting. Uh, the caller at 8423, 8 did you have a question for our guest from San Jose State?
10: Hi. Uh, good, good evening, Gus, and good evening uh, to the guests. I want to say that I'm very proud of you, um, young brothers and sisters, and stay strong and uh, get your paperwork. Um, two quick questions. Um, I think, um, judging by history, we could have had a similar conversation <laughs> Not not the same, but a similar conversation in 1630 about racism and 1730s, 1830, 1930, and 2013. And my my first question to you is: Judging by history, do you think white people will ever stop practicing racism, and and or do you think the system has just been upgraded and refined to make it more stealth? And my second question is: What have you put any thought in what you're going to do with your degrees once you graduate in order to change uh, the system and, and, and make it better for your people?
4: Okay, those are great questions. Um, I'll start, I'm Danielle. Um, I think that personally, like, with my degree, like, I want to be a lawyer and I want to work for the county of Alameda. It's kind of like a smaller area. It's where a lot of, like, a lot of African Americans are, and I want to work with the legal system and try to make it better. So I do want to try to give back. Um, on that front, and, um, and what was your first question?
10: My first question was, uh, do you think white people will ever stop the practice of racism or do you think the system is has just been upgraded and refined to make it seem as anything has been changed?
4: I personally don't think that that's ever going to change. There's some people I know, and they're older, and they just—that's just their mindset. That's just something. That's just how they are. I don't really feel like, even though they try to pretend like they accept us, and there's some people that are, you know, thinking that they're supportive of us and stuff like that. But there's just so many people that I don't think it is ever going to go away. Like I know a few people that are like, oh, I'm not racist. I have a black friend, or I—I I go to this black-owned business. Like, you know, it's just little things like that that are never ever going to go away. in My opinion.
5: And uh, this is Alex. And to answer your first question, uh, no, I don't think that uh, white people will ever stop uh, racism or being racist. Uh, I feel that it's, uh, uh, they've always wanted to keep us inferior to them. And uh, more and more each day, um, this is, there is a sense of superiority in not only African-Americans, but Mexican-Americans, Asian-Americans, and other ethnicities, ah, ethnicities as well. So I feel that it's all a fear of losing that superiority to other ethnicities. And uh, to answer your second question, what I plan to do with my political science degree, uh, right now I'm thinking about becoming a professor and uh, teaching the next generation, teaching the, next, uh, teaching the future on, um, on po- politics. And I also, also one thing I want to do is connect uh, politics with African-American studies and African-American history as well. Uh, in in order to teach the next generation, teach the future about our ancestors and also um, how to fix uh, the systems and uh, the problems with the system today.
7: Hi, this is John A. Gay. Um, I want to start off by answering your first question, and I don't think you can change the mindset of people, as my other fellow board members said, but um, you can change what – they choose to do as their actions based on the repercussions that they might face. Um, so, I, as I told the president of the school and told many people that, based on the decision that are going to be made for these students, is going to basically show example for people who might want to commit this crime and basically how our school handles crimes, hate crimes like this. So, I feel like if it was. Harsher punishment for crimes such as this that um, people will think twice, but you can't change their mindset. Um, I'm a health science major, and I'm minoring in African American Studies and political uh, and political science. Um, I'm double minoring because I want to have that skill set so I can um, have a better understanding of things. When I do get my degree, I do want to implement my degree by um, bettering, uh, oh, obviously, bettering the African American community if that's with um, working in health or in politics. So um, that's my main goal as a person.
6: Hi, this is Drew. Um, like all my other board members said, you can't—you know, this is what America was built upon. You're not going to really change it too much. You'll get some people who are uh, who will, what's that word, tolerate it, you know, tolerate us, and you know, some people who might truly love us, but at the end, the what our system what our government is based upon I just don't see it ever diminishing uh away anytime soon at least and uh my my major is business marketing uh with my ma- I don't know too much with my major but in my personal life I am a member of customer data Sorority incorporated so you know I use that and I I with my sisters we all try to change the world we try to uplift people and do better for our community so um, even if, you know, my my future career isn't directly changing, you know, our community, the work and service that I do within my sorority will continue to to help and change the community.
3: Mm-hmm. I think they got all these questions. Let's see if we can get that last question in before uh, our guests have to exit. Uh, caller at 7537, 7537. Do you have a question for our guest?
9: Uh, yes, I do. Um, now, now that you've uh, gone through this uh, event, do you have any plans right now uh, to further educate the black students on campus about racism? And has this event uh, inspired you to to study deeper into uh, into what racism is and how it works?
1: Um,
4: I'm Danielle, I'll start. Um, as far as uh, educating the black community, we're more so focused on educating them about us and the other organizations that are here to help them. That's kind of what that sparked. us, make sure that more people are aware of us. And we probably will be doing something maybe next semester, starting with that whole racism and making sure that other people that have incidences like this, that they are reported and more people can come forward. Um, and then as far as that, that's pretty much what we're doing. Yeah. So we all we all pretty much agree with that. Pretty much everyone wants to say the same thing.
9: Okay, and has this event uh inspired anyone to to study racism more?
4: Well, honestly, the four of us, we all have African-American studies as classes, and we're all minors as well. So we've been already diving deep into this. So this is just fueling our fire to keep within our majors and our minor studies for this and taking more of these classes. Okay.
9: Thank you.
3: Outstanding. Uh, There was one more person who had a question, but uh, I don't want you all to be late for your questions. meeting that you're going to, uh, make sure that you're able to uh, be there on time and fulfill all of your duties. Um, really enjoyed hearing from everyone. Uh, to, like learned a lot. I thought it would be grand to have some people who are right there uh, to share more information about these incidents. Uh, we will definitely uh, keep an eye. I'm following your uh, Facebook page, and I think a lot of the other listeners are as well. Uh, We'll be keeping an eye on uh, what you all are doing and looking to support your efforts in any way that we can. Uh, Definitely would be great to have you back on the program down the road after things have unfolded to kind of get an update on how things have evolved and uh, what you all have seen in the months that follow uh, to see how the university deals with all of this.
4: Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We really enjoyed being here and definitely reach out to us. We would love to come back on the show and talk about how things have changed and what has happened since we last talked. And we also have our petition that's on our Facebook page. So We we have over 1,000 signatures on it right now, and it's still growing. Um, Oh, I'm sorry, it's 2,000 now. See, it's growing and growing. Um, But yeah, we are definitely making moves, and we definitely appreciate all the support.
3: Outstanding. Uh, The page is linked. Uh, It's on my Facebook page, and I'll make sure to include it uh, in the description for the program. Uh, It's SJSU Black Student Union on Facebook. Like it, join it. The petition is there great information, keep up with this uh, unfortunate incident, but uh, just to see what happens and support your efforts. Uh, thank you all so much. Have a great Tuesday evening, and uh, enjoy your time off this week.
4: Thank you. Thank
3: you. Take excellent care.
4: You too.
3: Good evening. Context of white supremacy. Uh, I believe we still have uh, the male uh, who is an alum. At uh, San Jose State University, he is with us as well. Uh, the caller, I said we did miss one caller, uh, unfortunately. Everybody did great today. They called in, didn't wait till the last minute. Great job. Uh, I want to make sure I get uh, the caller who didn't get an opportunity to get his question in if you uh, wanted to share or had a comment that you wanted to get in, and uh, then I'll get the uh, alumnus as well uh, see if he has any other thoughts that he wanted to share. Uh, but the caller that dialed in, I think you're using the flash phone. Uh, sorry we weren't able to get your uh question in my apologies Uh, but if you had a comment or something you wanted to share feel free
14: thank you good evening I was just wondering um, I wanted to get an opportunity to ask them about their African studies department being um, absorbed into the sociology department I was wondering um, whether or not they were um, planning to strategize um, just in case that happened Um, what they were what their plans were to um to try to either to stop that or if it did happen um uh what their plans were to try to um to try to bring it back or, or um somehow infuse African American stud, African studies into the social sociology department to make it relevant. And also I wanted to know whether or not they um any of the parents of these students at the school, the uh, non the uh, non-white students at the school were involved in this as well uh, with the administration um, just in case there was any level of fear or concern among the, their children who were there. And um, that's it. I'll mute my line.
1: Mm.
3: I was curious about that as well um, to know parents, uh, what their response is to this, if they've been uh, talking to uh, their students about all this, or just what their re, what their response is. Period. I wanted to ask about that as well. Um, I don't know. I can't. I don't have children, but I can't imagine if I was uh, a parent and uh, I had a child who was in that sort of environment and this was going on. Like what what would be the best thing to do, uh, particularly given what happened to Gregory Johnson Jr. Uh, 2008 black male found hanging uh, and just ruled a suicide. Oh well, keep rolling. Um, with the African-American Studies Department. Uh, Mercury News, I think that's the local uh, newspaper in San Jose, um, where they have a lot of different articles, mercurynews.com. They have a lot, and when I mean a lot, like over 10, they have uh, a lot of articles where they've been following this on a pretty daily basis. But they have uh, one report where they were mentioning this, the African-American Studies Department being removed. And I think uh, the guest might have... uh, added this in their commentary as well where they're supposed to be a moratorium like a two-year moratorium on uh discussions about removing the department and i suspect that that could be a slick racist move because i think uh all of our guests were juniors uh with the exception of jeanne gay she's a sophomore the rest of them they were all juniors i think uh and they will be gone Uh, if they graduate on time uh, or even if they take an extra year they'll be gone in two years so if they wait until i guess that would be the 2000 the 2016 uh, school year if they wait until then to talk about dismantling the Mm department, all of these students will be gone Uh, so the people that were the vast majority of the students that are there now who might be concerned about the department being closed down and wanting to do something, they won't be there. So it might be that, hey, we got a whole new crop and they are more confused. They aren't, you know, politically active. They're not vested in all this and we'll be able to get away with doing it then. Uh, I think white people, sometimes they do things like that. We can just wait them out. We'll just wait till this move. This group moves on and then they won't be here to protest and, and cause any furor about all this. And then we can just do what we want. I think the uh, the guests, I think they even mentioned that if you ask, The freshmen that are there right now, they don't know about Gregory Johnson, Jr. They said I think they said if you ask some of the upperclassmen, non-white students, they know about the case and what happened. But if you ask some of the younger students, they don't know. And I think that white people, they're just very good at getting you to be distracted and they could just wait a little while and it'll just be a disconnect where from one generation to the next somehow the information doesn't get transferred or it gets lost or whatever the case happens. And you just don't have the same zest zeal uh, from the people that are present at that time to continue that fight against uh, their racist act to close the department down. Hopefully that won't happen, but I I suspect that could be what they might be trying to pull off. um, If that makes sense. Uh, Let's see. The, uh, alum that is also on the line with us. And if there are any other folks, make sure I'm I'm doing that. If there are any other folks who are uh students at San Jose State University, uh if you were listening in, uh if you want to dial in, the number seven six zero five six nine seven six seven six and the code is five six four nine four three pound. Uh press star six if you would like to participate. Um Oh we got one more hand. I'll get this other hand and then I'll I'll get uh the alum back with us as well. Uh the person that dialed in last four digits, eight uh oh, different one, different one. Uh the person block number, person that dialed in from a blocked number. Did you have a question, comment you wanted to get in as well?
11: Hey hey Gus, greetings to you. Am I being heard?
3: Yes, ma'am. Good evening, four oh four.
11: Yes, greetings. Um, No, I was going to ask them, and I guess uh, I was busy. um, I didn't get a chance to hear all of the call, all of this dialogue. But what I've noticed here um, on some of the campuses here in Texas where I'm at and where I do some adjunct work is that they are combining the Africata Studies program, the Black Studies program with the Latino Hispanic program, they're they're, they're diluting it down. And it's it's a problem that's going on all around the country. And California, I know it's the same thing that they're doing over there since they have a large so-called Latino population as they do here in Texas, in Arizona. They are making it more about the the so-called Hispanic cultural thing. That's what they are doing. They're to- they're totally pushing black studies, African history out. And I was going to ask her about that, if that's the same thing that's going on at San Jose State.
3: Mm. I think I've seen a lot of that uh, as well. Uh, I think one of the titles they'll use, they'll just say ethnic studies and just throw everything yeah. uh, under that title, ethnic studies, and that'll just be the whole, uh, whole shebang. That'll be the whole uh, department. I would think especially that would be something that, that school, San Jose State, because they were saying uh, that they don't even have a thousand black students. So I know they probably just looked at like, oh, we have to tolerate this small number of these Negroes and uh, we'll give them as little as possible. It's not that many of them. We won't even have to hear too much uh, fussing and yelling uh, from the small number of them that are present because uh, I think it's it's a much larger quote-unquote Latino population there and so-called Asians and all the other groups. I mean, that I can't even imagine being at a school that large and you have less than a 1,000 black students. That is, uh, wow. Mm.
11: Well, it all depends on what campus they have because when I was in California, they had a satellite campus in Monterey. Um, marina uh, monterey area out there that at that time they had a military base right there and they had a lot of blacks who were living in that area on account of Fort Ord when it was still open and it was out in that northern California area so that campus was pretty much so called that It had a very large black population on that campus so I guess the main headquarters now that's out there in San Jose I guess as you said because that particular part of Northern California is predominantly so-called Hispanic, Asians, and then they had started getting a very large influx of Indians coming in from India and other parts of Southeastern um, South um, Asia had started coming into that part of the Northern California. So I guess that would make the campus more, as they say, they call it diverse if it, if it has all of these so-called other people there except a large amount of Blacks.
3: Absolutely. I want to uh, bring uh, our alum uh, from San Jose State, bring him uh, back in as well. I also wanted to uh, let folks know, I think Dr. Harry Edwards also uh, is an alum uh, at San Jose State University. Um, I'm not, I have to look again to see if he graduated there, if he was actually faculty, but I think he also uh, has been affiliated with San Jose State University. He, uh, for folks who follow, he does a lot of work on racism And sports, Uh, he's written books about it. He's been on ESPN bunches of times, documentary films, and he was a guest on the program uh, in September 2010. Uh, We were talking about – of course, racism. I'm trying to remember the specific sports events that were going down at that time. Um, I'm sure we talked about Terrell Owens and his abuse and a few other things. So you can look in the archives for Dr. Harry Edwards uh, as well. Uh, the caller, you have to give me your handle again. Uh, last four digits: six eight nine five. Alum at San Jose State University. Are you still with us, sir? Uh,
8: I'm still with y'all.
3: Okay. And you, you said uh, you wanted to be called. Can you give us the handle one more time?
8: Uh, I'll just go by Bakari. Bakari, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Bakari, right on. Um, your time at San Jose State University, uh, did you experience any racism? Were you there in 2008 when uh, Mr. Yeah, Johnson?
8: I, I, oh, okay. I was, actually. I, I attended San Jose State from 2006 to 2010, okay. about the time I was there.
3: Okay, recent grad, okay.
8: Yeah. And did
3: you yeah. have any in- – Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
8: <laughs> but, sorry. So your question was if I had experienced any incidents? Um, yes, sir. I would say, like, microaggressions, things here and there. Like, I think how some of the uh, other members uh, of the other Stanley State students were saying things about, like, my hair, I wore in a particular way. I would often wear an afro, and you did with the random uh, white folks thinking they have uh, the right to touch your hair as though we, we're still their property. And things things of that nature, nothing as explicit as the hate crimes that the other students or the students um that have experienced but yeah i mean any anywhere you go, we're gonna experience racism
3: absolutely absolutely um okay I, dr harry edwards he was uh he actually attended he was a student at San Jose uh, State University. Um, so he would also be in the alumnus uh, category down there. Uh, it would be interesting to hear his thoughts on uh, what happened there. He graduated in 1964. Um, yeah, I might see if I can give him a jingle this week to see uh, see what he had to say about all this. Um, did you Did you talk to your parents about when you were there? Did you talk to your parents about what happened with Mr. Johnson? And, you know, did they have... Did they have any views that they shared after after they found out about all that?
8: Well, yeah, uh, I was a first generation college student and i uh, raised with my grandma, so she she was obviously very concerned and she was probably more scared than anything. Was like questioning um, if I was involved in any of these uh, organizations, because uh, uh, predominantly white uh, Greek organizations, but I wasn't. She was calling me more frequently at this time too. Um, I just feel like she so she was mainly like scared, not knowing how to deal with this. She's not really one who speaks and talks about racism as that much. Kinda of she still uh talks about it in the in the sense of like the nineteen sixties racism when people, you know, they were sticking dogs on us and we couldn't sit at certain counters. That's kind of the, the frame that she comes with, but not uh incidents such as this hate crime and incidents such as Gregory Johnson. So those things surprise and shock people or in and, and it shocked my grandma but for me I don't think I'm not shocked by these incidents. To me that's expected. I'm expected for 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 white people to act this way because we live in that context.
3: Did you have white friends while you uh, were a student there?
8: Um at sound of state I had no white friends. Um I feel like I only have one white friend left, and that's uh, a friend I had from high school, but as my time in San Jose State, it was all non-whites, Guatemalans, Asians, black students, but I didn't make any white friends at San Jose State.
3: So... I'm definitely going to use, uh, I got a lot of good constructive uh, information with this program. I'm going to be using this as a reference, uh, just one of those when people, again, when they talk about racism for many reasons, when they talk about racism and they say it's not young white people, I'm going to reference this. Uh, When they talk about racism and they say, oh, it's just down south and it's not in California or on the West Coast, I can reference this. Uh, When they say that white people are ignorant and they don't know what they're doing, I will reference this, three-fifths and even sophisticated refined enough at 18 to switch it up from three fifths to fraction before they (laughs) They got this.
8: Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was saying, yes, they definitely, they definitely know. Well, I was, well, I was kind of surprised about though, is that um, so the student in question who was a victim, the black student, they said he's from Santa Cruz and I, and I'm, by coincidence, I'm not from Santa Cruz, but I grew grew up in Santa Cruz uh, from like middle school on. So if you don't know anything about Santa Cruz, it's uh, uh, like a beach town, beach city uh, in California, about 45 minutes from San Jose. And he said he didn't experience any uh, racism in Santa Cruz that he faced there. So I mean, I don't, I don't, of course, I don't think any any students while well, he was in high school or he was growing up put bike locks around his neck. But Santa Cruz, from what from where I grew up, is about like eighty percent white, very white. It's, there's virtually no the black population is less than one percent. And I just growing up in Santa Cruz, I had a very, very uh, many experiences with uh, with racism there, dealing with white folks
12: who knew what they were doing.
8: And that's from middle school on up to high school. They they would ride around the uh, the, the campus, the the high school with their Confederate flags raised up from their um, their lifted trucks, and when I tell people this from like where I live now, they're surprised because they have this like rose-colored glasses utopia look on, in California. Like, oh, this doesn't happen in California. This only happens in the South or these isolated incidents the of pockets. But I'm like, no, racism is everywhere. The the your liberal state, your your conservative state, it don't matter. As long as there's white people where you're at, you're going to experience racism, and that's global. global. Absolutely,
3: absolutely. Uh, the other folks that uh, dialed in for the program, your line should be uh, open as well if you all had uh, other thoughts or if you had something you wanted to ask, uh Bakari. Uh, or any comments you wanted to get in about the listeners. I was so happy that all of them uh, agreed that they do not think these white people are ignorant. That's so rare that I hear uh, from other victims, other non-white people, uh that you know, no, this this is not a case of ignorant white people. These folks are just racist terrorists. They knew what they were doing and uh they should be punished accordingly. I was so and it was unanimous, not a one. Uh, thought that we had any any ignorance. Uh, that was grand. Uh, any any of the folks that dialed in, they have any comments, anything they want to share?
11: What what I was going to ask you, Gus, this is our 404. Is um, you know that Janet Napolitano, she took over that left Homeland Security, the former head of Homeland Security, she's the head of the California um, University System now. So I was going to ask them what it is, what has been her response. In regards to what's going on down there on the San Jose campus,
3: mm. look online to see if uh, anything has been reported. I'm suspecting it will be none. Mm.
11: Let's see. Did they say those students were expelled, uh, the ones that are under indictment?
3: They have been suspended, not expelled. Uh, and I guess uh, they commented about how they thought that was wildly inappropriate, as do I, uh, where if you are caught cheating on the campus, you can be expelled immediately, uh, as in that day. Uh, but with these three, or uh, it was report I read in the report it was four. They have only... Uh, identified three of these uh, racist white guys uh, who were charged, arrested, charged, and all that, but uh, apparently there were four uh, individuals in this case who have been charged. Uh, they have only been suspended, and they're supposed to be a university investigation pending, uh, and I guess after they're done with that investigation, they might decide to suspend them or not, but I was glad also to hear that, that the students... Um, they uh, they felt there should have been immediate immediate zero tolerance policy. That's the way they deal with us in school. There should be a zero mm-hmm. tolerance policy for racism. Their bags should already be packed. Uh, don't come back on the campus. Uh, you'll be charged with trespassing uh, if you come back down this way. Um, and I didn't I was going to ask this as well, uh, because they said that there were eight total students in this suite area that some of these other white people they knew about some of this stuff that was happening the confederate flag and uh the terrorist acts and they didn't do anything Uh, i was going to ask them what should be done with these white people in my view they are culpable as well Uh, i don't know Mm -hmm. you know what the charge or what have you would be but if this criminal act is going and i say this happens all the time with white people they are aware even if they're not doing it directly themselves they're sitting there watching their moms and uncles and cousins and friends and roommates terrorize black people and you don't do anything you are guilty too
11: that's right they said in the law you provide aid and comfort in this act but i was going to ask the all the on the line here don't they have like a student tribunal where they go before because it has to do with a morality clause as well as where they are in violation of the policies where they make decisions punitive actions as to what happens to them, because I know on all university campuses, they have those in place.
8: Uh, Sorry, repeat the question. You said there's a a moral. I I missed that part.
11: There's normally like what they call like an ethics morality clause where these type of actions comes up where they have, it's a faculty and student tribunal where you go before them, and it's like somewhat similar to a mock trial where they present the case against you as to your actions, and they have to make a decision as to whether or not you would remain on campus. It's comprised of faculty as well as students. Don't they have oh. to do that?
8: Yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, they do They do have uh, one of those at Sound State. That was one of my questions that I wanted to also ask the, the students there if they had – if the, the students who were um, facing these charges, if they had to go before – that counsel. Since it's uh, a legal matter where, where they're actually facing criminal charges, they probably bypass that. I think that has to do with something uh, like they violated, you know, criminal charges versus uh, things set up by the university, such as a policy, because each, each university can set up their own um, uh, policies regarding, you know, plagiarism or cheating or uh, things in that nature, but I feel like these criminal charges are handled differently and probably they don't, you wouldn't see, like, a student and faculty, whatever, counsel. Um, so, like, incidents of hazing, I think that goes straight to, uh, like, it goes straight to the legal system versus you standing before, uh, like, a jury of your peers and faculty.
11: Okay, because I always thought that hazing falls under the same concept as, law and disorder on the campus, for instance, because this all happened on school property where these things were done to this young man. So that falls under their jurisdiction where they can say, because I've seen it done on campuses where if you're drunk and you assault another student, <clears throat> on the campus, they immediately draft some actions to get you off the campus. They said, no, you're out of here. So yeah, I am not, I'm not.
8: My- why
11: this. I'm
8: sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, so, I was just saying, I'm not sure how uh um, Jose State's, like, council would handle it. Um, I'm pretty sure if it's anything that's criminal, such as something like this, like you know, this hate crime, or hazing, if there was, like, physical, um, like a physical altercation, I think they immediately try to uh, either get the campus, uh, university police department to handle it, or um, take it outside and have, like, the other authorities handle it. But things such as, like, cheating and things that are directly tied to uh, the university as part of their policies, I think that is not as ex- extreme, quote-unquote, like, I don't know, cheating, for example. They will try to handle it within their own uh, jurisdiction.
14: May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. I'd like to ask the alumnus um, from the school during uh, the time where that brother's tragedy occurred, did the NAACP show up? And if they did, if you can remember, what was the extent of their involvement?
8: Um, I vaguely remember. from At that time, I do not uh, I don't think that they were very – They I don't think they were quick to act on uh, Gregory's mother's behalf, um, and I think that's why Gregory's mother was – she was reaching out to many black mm-hmm. organizations in San Jose State. Basically, she was trying to look for help any way that she could for people to rally behind her to try to seek, you know, justice. And just at that time, as I was saying, I felt like there was so much division uh, within these – within the community at Stanley State, and as we heard, it's small to begin with. I don't think we had enough cohesiveness to actually get behind her and support her, and I'm pretty sure if there was any support from the NAACP, it wasn't uh, anything to a large scale.
14: Would you say that it was similar to what the students described? Um um, do you know that uh, their involvement during this um, victim's uh, tragedy as well
8: oh no If if we're comparing this incident with Gregory's incident then they're, um, the NAACP is uh, definitely more involved in this incident than the uh, Gregory case
10: mm-hmm.
8: and I'll and that may be because of the, the media. Um, yeah, I don't know. That may just be because of the media and, and how fast and how widespread this, um, this incident uh, has been because it's been popping up everywhere. and It's been covered in many different um, online blogs and things such as that. Whereas during Gregory, it was all hush-hush, closed behind closed doors, Sally State didn't want any uh, negative um, media attention, and they did everything, yeah, they did everything uh, definitely outside of public view. They didn't want it to be something that was broadcasted beyond really San Jose in the Bay Area.
14: Do you remember, because, Gus, I'm sorry if I don't remember exactly, uh, don't remember this incident, but to the uh, alumnus, do you remember the month that this occurred
8: in um, I do not I know the the year was two thousand eight, but I don't know if it was uh the spring of o eight or if it was the fall of o eight Mhm
3: uh if folks are wanting more information um Gregory Johnson, I did have an audio clip where his uh parents uh they were talking about the incident and just trying to give more info. Um, they uh, they talked about, you know, what they were told and when they got to the campus and uh, first investigated. Uh, I have an audio clip. I can play that if folks would like to uh, to hear it. Yay, nay?
14: Yes, yes.
3: Okay. Um, I was looking online before I get to the clip to see if I could also get um, exact date and time uh, for all of this frat house man that this just sounds like bad uh, news all the way around when you have uh, black people white people alcohol bad 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 combination um, it looks like the body was uh, saying, I'm, this is on uh, sfbayview.com uh, we've had uh, contributors uh, for their site as well on our program. They have a lot of information about racism, uh, black people in general, uh, on their site, uh, uh The frat house death of Gregory Johnson Jr. remains unsolved. Uh, and they say that Reverend Denise Johnson, Gregory Johnson Sr., and their family still actively search for answers concerning the death of their son, Gregory Johnson Jr., in the base of Sigma Chi Fraternity House on the San Jose State University campus on November 22nd 2008 so that would be fall uh 2000 about this time i mean wow we're almost uh 5 years to the day that this incident happens um hmm. how about that uh I'll play the audio clip so you can hear directly from uh his parents, uh folks that dialed in. Uh, if you can keep the noise down, mute your line, what have you, I can mute for you. And then as soon as this concludes, uh we can come back on and folks can share any thoughts. Uh this is uh the hanging of Gregory Johnson Jr. Uh this interview is from two thousand eleven. <laughs>
15: Uh, it takes about three hours. Mm-hmm. We arrived there about 1:30 that afternoon. Uh, it takes about three hours. Mm-hmm. And um, when we got there, there were about five Carlos of us because people came in from Los Angeles, family members, uh-huh.
1: and
15: yeah. all that. And uh, when we got there, they were disinfecting and cleaning the house. You could smell the pine salt Okay, um, I asked immediately to go where. Uh, They found him. They claim they found him and took us into the basement and uh, He said that he found him in a seated position with an electrical extension cord the heavy-duty extension cord wrapped around his neck and uh, He cut the extension cord down he said and he had to get help to lift him into a chair and he put him in a chair and and she, sure. Yeah, my my, sure, daughter law, my daughter-in-law recognized it. She kind of looked at it, and he said, oh, yeah, that's Gregory's phone, you know. Uh-huh. So um, we took the phone. Okay. okay, later we found out that they had lied and told the evidence collector that came that day, there was somebody that collected evidence there.
1: Yeah.
15: They told them that that wasn't his phone. Okay, my daughter-in-law went through the phone that night, All of his pictures had been erased out of the phone.
10: And someone plugged the phone up, charged it up, and it was you. And
15: and they tried to call his um, voicemail voicemail at 8.30 that night. Well, he was dead. It wasn't him. It wasn't him. He was dead at 2.45, so they called.
3: have as much information as I thought. Um, I thought they had more of the actual interview with the parents. Uh, I'll just get my FYI. I really hate that. That's why a lot of people ask, well, why don't you have more music? I hate that. Uh, we spend a lot of time listening to music and rapping and Kanye West and Lil Wayne and Jay-Z. I hate that. If it's serious information, somebody died. I don't need a music video. I don't need a song. I don't need rap. Nothing. Just give me the information. And I prefer if there's not anything playing in the background, just give me the information so that I can hear and understand what happened. Uh, I can listen to whatever the music is or the video or the artist or whatever the other extracurricular stuff. I can do that on my own time. Um, at any rate, uh, they're just. I did not find a whole lot of audio, and I thought the whole thing was going to be his parents uh, speaking and giving more information about the death. But even that is uh, – Interesting about somebody taking the phone and and using it after he had died and clearing out information. I mean, that's Kendrick Johnson. You just keep throwing the names out. Frederick Jermaine Carter. That's why I have Frederick Jermaine Carter as the avatar for the program. This sort of thing still rolling daily, regular basis. 2013 shouldn't be a surprise as long as white supremacy exists. I
11: heard an interview with the mother where she gave a vivid description of her son, and she said he was a very muscular person. He was over six feet. He was a, um, I think she said he was a physical trainer that worked at Balis at one of these sports centers, and he was in very good shape. But he was in this white frat house, and he felt so comfortable, which which is something that, with our children and not telling them about racism, that he would feel that comfortable to go and go to sleep, be all defense, defenseless, and she said it, 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 apparently they had to have attacked him while he was sleeping, bashed him in the head because it broke his neck.
1: Mm. I uh,
3: get a better one here so we can get a bit more information. Did I cut somebody off? Somebody had a comment? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I found a better audio clip. Uh, This one should give us a bit more information without uh, the music videos and all the other craziness. Uh, We will try this one. Uh, I hadn't even heard of this case. Uh, That's why I'm glad there was attention uh, on this incident happened because I hadn't heard of this at all. We were not on the air in 2008 when this happened originally, so I wouldn't have been able to uh, cover it or have a program about it, but I'm glad to... uh, be hearing about it now unfortunately most of the reports that i have seen uh detailing this incident they have not mentioned gregory johnson jr uh which in my opinion that major part of what happened i don't think you can uh do an adequate job of explaining this event and what's happening now without talking about that as well as the uh, african-american studies department being uh rumored to be closed down and they would make an effort to do so uh okay this is uh uh should be a better one here. We'll try this one, uh, giving more information about what happened to uh, Mr. Gregory Johnson, Jr., context of white supremacy.
15: Hi, I'm Denise Johnson. I'm here on San Jose State University grounds at the Sigma Chi newly being renovated house. Uh, It did not look like this in 2008 when my son was murdered here, November 22, 2008, but uh, they claimed they found his body in the basement and it would have been that uh, lower level in the back. Um, They claimed that he committed suicide, that he hung himself, but he had no ligature marks on his neck. It took me 13 days to get him home because they would not let me view his body. The coroner wouldn't here in Santa Clara County. And it took me 13 days. When he got to the funeral home, I took pictures, and he had a six-inch-long crack on the back of his head that was oozing brain matter, and his neck was also broken. It wasn't from a hanging. He had no marks, no bruises. impossible from a hanging. That's impossible, Uh, but his neck was broken. Uh, We've been fighting this for the last five years. Uh, We've gone on board with Lawless America, and we hope to take this further in the state of california because we will never give up in finding who killed my son i was waiting for justice to work and justice never worked in my case as it does in so many other cases if you don't have the money where you can buy justice it just doesn't work Uh, i will fight this until my my end days my end times uh this somebody has to know everybody somebody knows what happened to him this house was full of kids when he died There was a party the night before. When he got in, there was a party going on, and um, there were a lot of kids who knew what happened. They had grief counselors out here. They had uh, the alumni out here. They were notified before I was notified that he was even dead. I wasn't even notified until seven hours after he had died. The FBI uh, investigated this as a hate crime, a criminal investigation. And it went to Washington, D.C., to Eric Holder's office, where everything stopped. Everything stopped right there in Washington, D.C. We're going to keep screaming and crying and asking why. And why, you know, isn't my voice heard? Why am I screaming and nobody hears? It's a silent scream that we have because nobody's listening. Nobody cares about a student that had everything going for himself that was on his way to being something in this world. Obama told us to send our children to school and things will be better. Well things weren't better for Gregory Johnson Jr. Thank you Lawless America.
16: Hi, it's Bill Windsor. I'm standing here in front of the Sigma Chi fraternity house. A young man just drove up on his motorcycle, talked with us for a minute. He's a member of the fraternity. He joined the fraternity uh, uh, after this uh, incident took place here at the house but a very impressive young man so it's clear that Sigma Chi has quality people in the fraternity today. He said that he would heard a lot of stories about this that, that even today people burst into tears when it comes up that he had heard nothing but wonderful things about who he calls Junior uh, Gregory Johnson Junior and apparently the guys called him Junior and uh, he wouldn't go on camera but he made it very clear from the things that he said that he wouldn't stand for something like this happening, and he thinks that the truth, whatever it is, should come out. And uh, he does say that people are very upset about it, and nobody ever had anything but positive things to say about uh, Gregory Johnson, Jr. We've asked a couple of people, uh, nearby fraternities, to go on camera. and Nobody wants to do it, but uh, we'll keep asking, and uh, we need help. The family was denied evidence of an FBI investigation on the basis of national security interests. Now, what in the world does that tell us? They claim it's a matter of national security. The death of a young man in the basement of a fraternity house during a party doesn't make sense to me. We need a private investigator who will take this matter and investigate for these people. We have a list of many of the people who were here that night. It wouldn't be a tough job. We need to track these students down now who mainly have probably graduated and get the truth and find out who it is that I believe murdered Gregory Johnson, Jr.
3: Much better. Much better. We do not need Boogaloo time if we're giving out serious information, particularly involving the death of a black person. That is not time for Boogaloo. Um, I will hush in case uh, the female caller who was asking who wanted more information, I hope that gives a bit more. If you have any questions or follow-up, feel free. Um, I would just say, I'm. if anything about the incident we've ta- been talking about this evening, man, with these white thugs, putting a bike lock around this young male's neck, it could have easily been another. And matter of fact, it could have been a ritual that they were carrying out. Now that I think about it, that this is five years apart, they could have been planning, Hey, we're going to do the same thing we did five years ago. And you know, whatever, same thing, nothing ever happened. Suicide. Oh, well, another nigger dead. I'll mute my line. Uh, if folks have any questions or what have you feel free. Uh, press star six. If you're listening in and you would like to participate.
11: Sounds like it could have been some sort of fraternity um, ritual, as you said, if this is happening in the freshman dorm. And they, they went to this extreme. It's, it, it looks, I don't know if it was rush week where they were pledging, but it looks like it, it could have been exactly as you said, Gus, that that was what they were doing.
9: Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Okay. That clip that you played, that that was interesting that the, I guess the white man that said um, a couple of things about how the fraternity members were upright and stand-up people and all that nonsense, but then when he talked about the FBI and the family that was trying to get information that denied them and saying that it was a matter of national security I'm trying to figure out as to what exactly would that does that mean because that's that it, that makes it sound much more serious than somebody killing somebody and you know trying to go through the normal course of an investigation so that, for it to be a matter of national security that that opens up a whole lot of other questions that need to be answered.
14: Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Um, you are thinking along the same thoughts that I was when um, um, Brother Gregory's mother talked about how it got to Eric Holder's office and stopped. Then the um, racist suspect reporter talked about, what you were talking about, the national security and these people, these boys being upstanding. Think about the kind of guys in a fraternity uh, who are upstanding, and the families that they come from, where their families oh, may mm-hmm. work, the connections they may have.
11: Okay that, that is quite true because I don't know about where San Jose state, but I don't think Mackay. It's one of the elite white fraternities where it's it's very selective, not too many people get into them. I I could tell you all a few of the the white ones like what was his name? The former senator from is it Alabama, I think it was, the one that got that had to resign his leadership post when he made that statement as Trump Thurman birthday celebration. I can't think of his name. He, he is a member of that fraternity. There are quite a lot of those U.S. senators in Washington D.C. They are members of Sigma Chi. So it's one of the. It's, it's, it's not quite up there as Skull and Bones, but it is under that same prestigiousness on these college campuses. So these, as he said, these these children, parents, they come from money. They come from big business. They have connections. That's why it was shut down. They renovated the house. They tried to get rid of the evidence. They tried to, um, to close it down, and they didn't do anything about it.
3: That's a great point about the, uh, the white hooligans who I suspect murdered uh, Mr. Johnson, uh, that their parents or relatives or what have you, they could be very powerful white people, uh, and they don't want this to be uh, prosecuted. Uh, I think that's real important because I think for a lot of us, uh, same thing like with Kendrick Johnson and, Add any other names to the list you like uh, that we blame the showcased victims and say, well, this is Eric Holder's fault. He's supposed to be attorney general. He should have done his job and run around the same thing with Kendrick Johnson, as opposed to we're in a system of racism, white supremacy. It is white people. It could have just been that these powerful white people said, uh, look here, nigger holder, uh, you're not prosecuting this case. And that's that, uh, which is the same thing I suspect they might've done with uh, the Kendrick Johnson case. Uh, But it easily could have been that if it was some powerful white person's child or nephew or niece or friend or whatever uh, who was involved in this in any way, shape or form. It's easy for white people to do that. Uh, And all of this happening uh, at a fraternity, it reminded me, I think, uh, Non-Mightywick, he found uh, this movie. It's called Brotherhood. It came out in uh, 2012. Uh, I think if I'm remembering correctly, uh, 2012, uh, I'll make sure I get the year right. 2012 is recent, 2012, 2011, uh, but it's about uh, a group, uh, a white fraternity, Uh, 2011. uh, It's about a white fraternity and they uh, are committing these pranks or what have you. uh, And in the course of the prank, they end up kidnapping a black person uh, and holding him hostage and beating him up and all this other foolishness. Uh, but it, it easily could be this sort of thing that leads to Gregory Johnson Jr. Being dead and the young male that we're talking about right now, 2013, who's not been identified, but, uh, it could easily, the same thing could have happened to him. Uh, but you can check that out. It's called uh, brotherhood. Uh, came out in 2011. I think it's, uh, online as well. Hmm. Oh, and the person that dialed in, uh, uh, last four digits, one, nine, two, two, your line should be open. And the other person that dialed in on the flash phone, your line should be open as well. Uh, the two new folks, uh, are you with us? Hello? Yes, ma'am.
13: Hey, uh, yeah, I've seen that movie brotherhood. I've seen that about a couple of times. Um, uh, yeah, I've seen the scenes where they, um, kidnapped the black male, um, from what I remember, they held him hostage um, because they thought he was going to, um, I guess, tell on them because they robbed his convenience store. So they held him captive, and then what ended up happening was they wanted to come up with a plan so that they can cover they can cover themselves and not get in trouble. So they came... What happened... I don't know if you've seen the whole movie, but they had him... Um, lie on tape and say that he, he raped some white girl, yeah. which I thought was interesting. And he's like, I'm not going to do that because that didn't happen. But they're like, well, we need to cover, you know, we need to cover ourselves. So they needed it as insurance. And he's like, I'm not doing that. So they, you know, they had to, like, basically torture him just to get him to save. But, you know, I, I just, and it's funny because a lot of the fraternities, I'm not a big fan of fraternities. I went to a college where was the majority of white people the population of black people there was like I would say 5% and majority of fraternities were white so I've seen some of the crazy nonsense that they get away with where's other black fraternities on campus they have to be they, they watch the most of the black fraternities on campus they can't do what they want to do there's always cops at their parties but when there's white people like the white fraternities they never have cops at their party they go around vandalizing the whole campus but with black people, black people, they can't do it. It just would not happen. So I, 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 I understand. Like with, I'm, I'm not surprised when that, when I heard about that happening, because it's a lot of it, and I feel like that's kind of with the white fraternities. Um, I think that is something that they practice racism in the fraternities. Um, so I'm, I'm not surprised by that. I mean. You know, that's it, it's sad, but what are you going to do? You
3: know. One nine two two. You should be with us as well.
1: Um.
9: Yes. Good evening, everyone. Um. My, the question I was going to ask was, uh, was, was this fraternity a white fraternity? But 404 already answered that question for me.
1: Yeah.
9: But uh, it was. It's uh, very unfortunate that this incident happened happened with this young man, and it's just uh, it was just it was weird that they they would have evidence. Well, I mean, I say it was weird. It was racist that they held evidence on the mom like that. And uh, I want to give uh, kudos to her for taking pictures when she got the body because had she not done that, maybe. We probably wouldn't wouldn't have heard of this uh, story at all. So,
17: mm-hmm. to
9: her. I hope she continues her fight. And that's all I have to share for tonight.
11: I was going to say, um, during rush week on these campuses, where everyone is running around trying to. Get into these fraternities, and if you're on these predominantly white campuses, the the Sigma Chi as well as Kappa Delta for the um, for the sorority, those are the two top um, clubs to get into for whites. They are very selective, and if you get that, it's going to write your ticket to wherever it is that you want to go in life. Because a lot of the female Congress, white female congresspersons and senators, they are all members of um, of Kappa Delta predominantly white um, sorority. And congressmen as well as senators, they're all Sigma Chi, if you, if you, um, if you go back to their college records. So they it, it's up there, and a lot of people try to get in it. They do all of these crazy things because they know they get tapped, so to speak, and they're accepted in there. They pretty much have a guarantee to success in life as they move through the corporate ladder as a white person, and every once in a while they'll pull in a few black, um, Asians, et cetera, pull them in there to so-called balance things out, but it is
13: exclusively all white. Huh. <laughs>
3: Wanted to make sure I got a quick word in about that term tolerance as well. Um, That word, uh, I think, should be avoided when talking about racism, white supremacy. Uh, It was popping up all over the place uh, when I was looking at the reports on what happened with this case. Uh, And if you just look at the definition uh, for the word tolerance, uh, it basically means to endure or put up with something that is annoying or offensive, uh, something that you don't really like. And so when white people, when they use that word tolerance, when they're talking about racism, and white supremacy, to me, it suggests in a very blatant way, like, okay, we'll talk about tolerance. So we'll have you niggers around. We don't really want you here. We don't really like you, but we will tolerate you. We will endure a few of you being in our presence and we'll try as best we can to not say anything that would be overtly, explicitly racist while you are here. Uh, it, for me, it is not about tolerance. It is about justice. Uh, I would be very mindful uh, if you're in discussions, if you're talking about racism, you're talking about white people in any sort of company, uh, just being mindful about that word tolerance. Uh, it's not about tolerating others. It is about justice and not mistreating people, not tolerating people. Uh, let see, we should have uh, non mighty wick should be uh, with us as well.
17: Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Hello? Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to get a quick uh, comment in um, about what I see as a pattern um, with uh, non-white people that end up, on, you know, that's around college campus age or college age, high school age that end up uh, getting subject to direct physical abuse, you know, by racist, racist suspects, white people. Um, And that pattern, I see is that it's uh, one of the major factors is that they they end up being in some situation where they are identifying white people as their friends. You know, Um, I think, uh, you know, I think another case that's popping in my mind, I think it was in like Chicago or something, and, you know, some guy who uh, he went over to his white friends after to play video games or something, and I think they end up, or to a party or something, and they end up knocking his teeth out or something like that. But it happens a lot. And I think, uh, what, you know, it's got brought up a lot on this program that, you know, you got older older non-white people, you know, if you uh attended parents or uncles or aunts, whoever, who are not uh, revealing truth about white people, you know, just based upon... Their whole historic record up to 2013. Now, you know they tend to interact with the victims in a way to get them to drop their guard. You know to they uh, you know, try to come come across as, as not so threatening. You know, and then they they have to drop your guard, and you get to try to act like you you know everything's okay. And they you know they uh, that's that's when they increase the mistreatment. You know, and they can confuse you up. And so you know I, I don't think there's anything incorrect about telling younger people, particularly your children. Uh, or whoever, you know, non-white, that white people are, um, you know, that that's the way they operate. You know, I don't think that means you've got to tell. And, and it doesn't mess children up. It doesn't make them think, oh, I need to go around and kill white people or anything like that, or I need to think that, uh, you know, I can't talk to them or, you know, you know, interact with them for purposes of getting college degrees or money or whatever. Um, but it, it, it will, uh, you know, have a layer of, of suspicion there, which I think can greatly... Uh, in, increase one's awareness uh, of what uh, of, of danger, you know, of a potential situation that that should be avoided, you know. And so you gotta keep it real with people. You gotta be honest with children, and that's uh, you know just let them know that you know you can have playmates, and you know we do study sessions with white people, or whatever, and you know you can uh, you know figure out constructive things that you can do with them, and or or uh, you know have them help you with whatever else, but be real careful about identifying them as, you know, uh, someone that you would, you know, trust hands down, or even operate with as a friend. You know, it's, um, I think that would help. I definitely think it would help replace white supremacy with justice and it would help not like people uh, from getting in situations that, I mean, not, now of course they still attack us whether you be friends with them or not, but those that friend situation um, tends to be uh, like almost a, a, a key factor in getting in a position to get uh, more heavily abused.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is two consecutive days that we've had incidents where there were white friends uh, yesterday, white friend, and you end up defending white people and can put yourself in a vulnerable position. Uh, even with the case in Chicago, like you were talking about, I I thought you were going to reference it was one, it was a teenage black male in Chicago. I think this happened at the beginning of 2012. He was with his white, and he was a high school age, he was with his white friends. And they got mad at him and they put a noose around his neck uh, and tried to choke him. And he ended up having to fight and try to run away or what have you. But they got charged as well. That happened uh, in 2012. Like This happens all the time with white friends when your white friends become white terrorists uh, and you barely escape. Uh, In Jasper, Texas, James Byrd Jr., those were his white friends. I'll mute my line.
17: And in the, in the movie uh, Brotherhood too that you brought up, uh, I believe that the black male that got kidnapped, you know, and you know, and then abused and all kind of stuff, he was identifying with at least one or two of those white people, you know, prior to the kidnapping and abuse as, as his buddies, as his friends, you because know, they went to high school together or whatever else, and so, you know that's uh it's it's uh that's that, you know, yeah, so it should be avoided.
11: Huh. Speaking on that, um, what I find in a lot of when I when I speak to teenagers or pre adults as I would call them, and you tell them about being highly suspect or to suspect some something, especially as you said, dealing with white people and you suspect that they could potentially harm you or they could potentially be a racist, they get highly defensive. It's as if though you're calling you're calling out the person as being racist. I don't see, I don't find it happening with us. We have this thing about us that if you are telling us to be suspect, okay, you know it's dark, you need to be suspicious because you could potentially get harmed walking down the street at night in the dark. You have to keep your guard up around you. We don't have a problem with that. But the minute you tell us to suspect white people of being potentially harmful to you, everyone gets defensive. Blacks get um, very defensive as to, oh, you're being hateful. Why are you saying something like that? I'm saying just look at the word. What does the word suspect mean? Look it up. Look up the definition. No one is accusing them of anything. We're saying to be suspicious or to suspect that they have a potential based on their past history in dealing with us that they could potentially harm you. And that is that is all you have to do to keep your guards up. But we don't want we want at all costs to let our guards down, so that we can fit in. We feel that like we would throw all cautions to the wind if white people say, "Look at this, though, they would accept us." And with a young lady on, on on one of the callers today, I, I was hearing one of you were asking one of the young ladies, if she was involved sexually with someone white. And she said no, she was not going to answer that question. And I immediately know well, yes, it tells me that she was, she's in a relationship with someone or was in a relationship. That is why all of a sudden she got defensive. No one is going to attack you about it, because we're just telling you to protect yourself. You need to look out for yourself first. You don't need to be worrying about someone else because the young lady last night, she was all concerned about what damage she can do to her husband. She's not worried about the damage her husband could do to her. She's more about protecting him, his job, his friends, and how it would appear to them. And that was very troublesome to me to see that, you know, we, we keep doing these things over and over to ourselves. We're always worried about what someone else would think of us rather than how they are treating us.
3: Uh, we had one other person uh, join the line. The person, uh, I think this is you're on the, the flash phone, I guess. Uh, your line should be open. Oh, hello. Yeah, yes. Yeah, ma'am.
13: I, I actually forgot. What I was, I was something that she was saying that it was related to. Um, you oh, can wait come a back. To me. <laughs>
1: Um,
3: <laughs> i wasn't even talking about you
1: uh oh.
10: the other person that uh
3: just dialed in uh oh, your line should be open as well uh the person uh last four digits Eight two
18: three five. Eight, two, three, five. um yes uh um it, um it seems to me that uh they like you know fours i mean are i mean are people you know like like um like you were saying like their understanding of white supremacy is uh very uh um, you know uh, is very lacking as uh, as I a mean, as, I mean, as, as a people and it seems to me that uh um' in a sense that like um for it seems like for as white supremacy the way that it ha operates like you know these these things have to happen to to maintain the system And it it's almost it sense it almost seems like that you know we became so integrated into white American society is that like you know that we you know it has blinded us from you know the racism and and Obama and all this stuff so it's basically like you know I think we're in all ears in you know some serious know, trouble and like and I think that you know having us you know especially the public school system and stuff like that so I think that like you know. You know I guess for people with kids, I think you know it might be better just like the home- you know home is in the sense that because like, I don't really see um as i mean this um as american this white supremacy this country is very you know is gonna benefit our people in any type of way so and after all these events have happened, so I think that uh you know I think that you know is in the sense that like uh that's that's my opinion.
9: You know, I think I think black people understand on a base level. I mean, just the black people I've talked to, um, they understand on a base level to be suspicious of white people. I think what the what the problem is is that a lot of these black people who get upset when you say this might have white people that they're close to or whatever, and they when they say when they hear you say be suspicious of white people, all they're hearing is oh, be suspicious of Timmy be suspicious of whoever and they're like, Well wait a minute, I can't be suspicious of this person. This person's my friend. This person's whoever. I work with this person. I hang out with this person on Friday nights, whatever. And um and, and that's what makes black people throw their guards up. So I think you yeah, there the white friends thing is is key to that because I feel like when I see black people operate just on a daily basis, um in general, black people are very suspicious of white people. Um, just in general, the white strangers and stuff. I'm not sure if anybody has a a I guess a different observation, but um.
17: You said, uh, I'm sorry, sir, uh, did you say that where you live, you know, around the, the black people you talk to, you say you get the impression that they seem to be suspicious of, of, of white people in general? Did I, did I hear you right?
9: Yes, in general. Now, where, where the problem comes in is that some of these black people might have white people that they're close to, so when they hear be suspicious of white people, they hear be suspicious of these white people that are supposed to be my friends, and that's where where they get the where they get to the hesitation and they start saying, Oh, you're being hateful, this, that, and the third. Okay. have have you not noticed, um, or do you think that black people just aren't suspicious of white people in general?
17: Well, I was gonna ask you just what 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 do you see? Like what do you observe them saying or doing that makes you feel as if that these what that these black people are suspicious of white people in general? I mean, just what they're doing, um just I
9: think that white people tend to conversations and stuff tend to switch
1: <laughs>
9: or or get uh, interrupted when when white people come in the room. Um, black people talk differently when white people are in the room. Uh, they talk about different things. Um, I don't know, it seems to be a level of suspicion or at least fear
10: or, or something. Okay,
13: okay.
14: Hello.
17: Yes, ma'am. Oh, yes, I can
13: read. Okay. I I wanted to um say something about that. Um, I I agree with you on that about um, black people being suspicious of white people in general. I think it's when, um, something like like something happening at work that involves like a white person like discriminating against um, a um, if it's not just a black person, a non-white person, um most likely they'll start to get suspicious. And what will end up usually happening, will some, like from what I know, the person will ask, well, was the person white or black? And then the other black person will say was well, a white person and they'll get suspicious. Or when they find it's a white person, automatically they're going to assume it's a discrimination issue usually. Because I've seen that happen at my job and there was an issue that happened recently with um, a non-white person. And me, another black female, and another Spanish female automatically knew, it was automatic reaction, like the guy was racist, automatically. Like So I kind of understand what you're saying. Like I, I feel like it's when a situation comes down to it, like when they do something that doesn't seem right or they seem suspiciously, like you can't trust them. Like If something were to happen, then that's when it gets to the point of, okay, well, he said something that doesn't make sense. I think it's along the lines when that happens. But in general, to be honest with you, I don't think a lot of people are suspicious a white person unless they don't know them. But if it's their friend, like like all bets are oh. off. Like they're not suspicious at <laughs> Well I think that was the point
9: that I was trying to make is that
13: yeah.
9: that they allow uh they allow a certain number of white people to infiltrate and yeah. I think it I think it warps their I think it warps how these people view white people, if yep.
13: that makes so. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
9: Did anybody on the call go to a predominantly white institution?
11: Me. I did. Me. I
9: did <laughs> <talk> <laughs> um, what type of I guess what type of experiences with racism did you guys have when you were on the conference? Um I know there was a big fuss on our campus about um some white person. Um, he, he wrote in the school newspaper talking about affirmative action, so-called affirmative action, why why these black kids shouldn't be here, and something about uh something about diversity. Uh, he's throwing all, all sorts of, uh, of those uh, white supremacist buzz, buzzwords around about diversity and affirmative action and all that other stuff that doesn't make sense, and saying how um, there should be the kids that. Are there should deserve it and stuff
11: like that. So, I wanted to know your views on that? Well, when I went, well, when I was in school, which was probably before many of you were born, which was back in the late seventies late seventies, early eighties, everyone was more politically correct, so it was not as overt as it is now on these campuses with what are y'all are going through, where people are just took the mask off and just let it all hang out. They were more trying to be so-called inclusive and show that, oh, we are so glad that you're here, and why don't you just come, Oh, we're having a party, would you, like to, would you like to come to our party that we're having? And, you know, you know, the phoniness that white folks generally do that you can see through, well, some of us who want it so bad to accept them, we would overlook it and just rush headlong into it. Hello? Yes, I
13: can hear you. Okay. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of incidents that happened where I'm at. I mean, from what I remember, from what I found out, uh, they're trying to get – we don't have a football team at my college. We only have soccer, basketball, and tennis. And from what I found out, they got rid of the football team because they started having a lot of black students. Yeah, that's why they got rid of the football team. Um, And now um, there's a couple of black students on campus. uh, I think it's the Black Student Union. They want to get football back, because they said it would, like, help more um, black students come to the college, which they're trying to avoid at all costs. They do not want to allow black students come to the college. They're like, no, we're not having this football program. So right then and there, you know, they kind of, not only was, not only the Black Student Union, they, they not only knew that it would bring black students, but You know, most students on the campus like football. Some like it over basketball. So they're like, okay, well, we want to have this football team. We're like, no, we got rid of it for a reason. And lo and behold, everyone finds out it's because they're afraid of all these black students coming to the school because where my college is, in the surrounding area, you have one side where it's one of the richest counties in New Jersey, and then the other side is where all, like, the white people would say the, the the this is what most of them say on campus the ghetto area, but I'm sorry, they they said like the ghetto areas outside of Malwa that would be Newark, Patterson, and they don't want any of the people from over there coming to the school. So that's why they got rid of the football team. And then I know one instance on camp in, campus, every time they have parties, it's it's hilarious. Every time they have parties, the fraternities. Any black student that has a party, they always have cops there. But that's the, the, every time, they always have cops. Any of the white students have parties, which are pretty ridiculously crazy, no cops. And these these, these cops that come on campus, they're public safety. They don't have guns or nothing. These are just public safety. But what will happen is they will call cops just to have them be there. They're like, oh, They'll say, oh, black students, they'll just bring the cops just in case supposedly something will happen. They'll patrol the party. And I'm just walking, I'm like, really? And then you have a whole bunch of these white students having a crazy party, running around, doing God knows what, vandalizing property, and they don't say nothing. It's, it's. I've never seen like it. I was just like, wow, this is craziness. But what do you expect? You're on a predominantly white campus all the way out in the woods somewhere. You know? Anything can just, anything can go on, you know? But I get scared sometimes, cause there, it's some it, like when it gets dark out, I get scared sometimes, cause there'll be like a whole bunch of white guys walking, like in a group, and you know, and I'm walking like if I'm coming to the st- pat, going, going to the store, or the green store, and I come back, they'll just give me like the weirdest look. It's like, okay, that was weird. I had I had a fraternity member say something to me one time. I mean, he was part of. I believe I don't think it was Sigma Chi. I know they're on our campus. But I know he was part of an all right fraternity and he had said something to me and I'm like, Did he just really say that? and I just kinda ignored it. <laughs> yeah. I I it's terrible. It's ridiculous. I can't. I I it's just anno- it's just annoying to see that kind of nonsense, you know, and some of the black fraternities they're they're trying to get their stuff together, trying you know, they're trying to do what they can to make their fraternity good and stuff and then you have most of the white people on campus that just do whatever they want, vandalize property, right on the school buildings, never get caught. I mean, it's beyond. I've just, I've never seen anything like it before because I'm from a diverse area in central New Jersey and going up to North Jersey is like, I, I can't say it's a culture shock for me but it's a big deal to me because all you see is white people everywhere and they have money. So when they look at you, they look at you like, why are you at our school? <laughs> you know, it, and then they'll try, and then what they'll do is they'll be really nice. They'll be nice to you when really they're being fake, because you can just tell right away. So they want to be all nice to these people that are coming from Newark or Paris. We don't make it like we're racist, but really, they are. So it, it's it's shocking to me to see that. And then I ha- And then what's even crazier about it, is that I do? I did try to become friends with some of the white. I, that I did try to become friends with the white people because I was friends with white people back at home. That didn't work. <laughs> then I became friends with the black people on campus. That did not work because when they found out I was from Central Jersey, they're like, "Oh well, you can't hang out with us. You're different from us. You're not from Newark or Patterson. You act like you're better from us because you live in the suburbs." Like, are you serious? So it was very hard to make friends on camp- that campus. Couldn't make friends with white people. I mean, Asians, Indians, I, I, yeah, I made friends with, but white people couldn't make friends with. Black people cannot make friends with. It, it was crazy. I don't know. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh man. Can
9: I be hurt? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I went to uh, uh, I went to Temple University in Philadelphia. For two years and I lived on a street where there were two uh, white uh, fraternity sororities and they were close to the uh, school where I was further in towards the, in, in the neighborhood and if you know anything about uh, if you know anything about Temple University you know that it's right in the middle of the, uh, in North Philly where it's predominantly black and you was and whenever I walk down the uh, walk down the street towards my apartment on a Friday or a Saturday night, you you see that these two frater, two fraternities, sororities, they will have these wild parties where beer where beer bottles are all over the place, and you you see that they're making a whole bunch of noise late at night, where you have black people living in there with with their families, and you see that they're um, because they 're so close to the campus they have uh they 're covered by temples uh security, and they have some sort of protection I, I i didn't really i didn't really pay too much attention when I was there so i 'm in New Orleans now, but i didn't really pay much attention then, but I did notice that they did a lot of outrageous stuff, had loud parties and all that but by the time summer came. It was very quiet on the street it wasn't as loud We had a lot of uh, the black people that lived on the street they were able to do whatever they wanted to do as opposed to just um being inside their apartment during during the school uh season so
10: it's, it's, it was
9: very interesting to see that because i was just learning about racism and white supremacy but it it was interesting to see how much these white people get away with stuff, especially during their, uh, college days. Yeah. Um, uh, my college campus was in a similar location. Um, and I noticed the, uh, the aggressive, um, enforcement tactics from police officers, um, mm-hmm. in, in the city where I am. And, um, yeah, they really came down on black people to protect, um there's like a it's basically a corridor, um, three, four mile corridor where there are a whole bunch of predominantly white institutions. Um, and police officers pretty much put the full court press on the black people to protect um these white college students who basically go, you know, bar hopping from Thursday to Sunday. And um they just run the streets, um drunk and, you know, rally. Uh, and just have free reign of it and you know like they're on top of the world I mean they are I mean they're white right and um, you know while these you know uh, these black citizens you know taxpayers uh, are being harassed by police officers it um, gives some sort of I guess cloud of protection around these white students
3: I was at uh Thomas Jefferson's university. So that was like the constant racist issue from day one all the way through. Um, How are we supposed to feel about Thomas Jefferson, slave owner, former president, Sally Hemings, that was cowbell as well. That was our everyday racial issue among many others.
11: Yeah. I can understand what he was saying from Philly because I'm, I'm from Philadelphia and I, not, I don't understand why they extended the campus of Temple and Drexel University is right there in the middle, right off of um, North Broad Street in the middle mm-hmm. of housing area. They have these two huge universities right there, I and mean, the, the people don't get any break. The black people that live there in the middle of black community, they put two large major university campuses.
1: Yeah. It,
9: it was it, it was interesting because. You can see how um, Drexel and UPenn, they literally transformed that area. But Temple Temple is slowly transforming the uh, neighborhood into more student housing and more university friendly uh, areas. And you can see that they're pushing black people further and further out.
1: Mm-hmm.
9: And when, when I was there, I worked at the medical library and they built a brand new building for classrooms and for the medical library as well and that used to be housing that used to be uh, row houses for black people and they pushed they pushed them out and from what i've uh, learned they didn't really allow the people that lived in the neighborhood to actually visit the library to do whatever studying that they wanted to do and that Caused a lot of uh, outrage, but I didn't really get to hear too much about it. But um, it's, it, it was really uh, interesting to see how uh, Drexel and UPenn they transformed West Philly, and then they and then Tim was doing the same thing with North uh, with North Philly, with Broad Street and all that. So. They were just pushing uh, black people out of the uh, out of the area. Hello. Uh, Johns Hopkins is attempting to do the same thing in uh, Baltimore. Um, the university, the hospital. Um, they're basically they're buying up um, they're buying up uh, housing uh, in in East Baltimore, uh, basically, basically to move the doctors down there. So they're tearing down the row houses. And, um, building, like, these, like, these developments to have, like, more nicer, like, more expensive townhouses to where they're going to move the doctors in and have doctors, like, there's big things on the MTA buses, like, live where you work and, you know, all this foolishness. And, um, they're moving the black people out into the suburbs. There's a suburb called Edgewood where a lot of black folks are getting moved out to. It's about maybe 15 miles from the city, um, limited public transportation, um, I mean, there's other areas in the city that black people can go to, but I know that a lot of low-income black residents have been moved out, moved out there like within the last five years.
3: Last two minutes, uh, there was, I thought I heard a female college. You have something you wanted to get in before we wrap uh, up?
13: Yeah, um, I just wanted to say at my college we, we have the concerts that most colleges have like every year, and they're very selective on who comes to the college uh, they had an R&B artist one time and I guess they were, like, scared because there were so many black people that came that after that, they didn't have any rappers, just, and if they did have a rapper, it was, like, white-friendly <coughs> rapper. Like, they'll have a white rapper or, like, a black rapper that all the white people like, but if it was, like, J. Cole, like, they, my college has literally been trying to get J. Cole to come there for the past four years and they will not allow it. Not even, they won't allow, like, like legit rappers, it'll have to be like a really corny rapper <laughs> they'll have come there, or they'll play. They'll have EDM music, like electronic dance music. They won't have anything that would bring a whole bunch of black people to that area. They avoid that at all costs. It's ridiculous. Oh, uh, mm. I don't know. <laughs> oh
3: man, Sad. isn't Jay Cole? Uh, doesn't he have a white parent?
13: Uh, I think so. I think <laughs> Yeah, mm. I, I think so. But he, you know, a Pretty lot sure of... It's um, his grandparents. No. I don't know that many white people that listen to J. Cole. I, he talks a lot of... It's weird, he talks a lot about racism, like with white people, which is funny. But he, I, he's, he's out of all the other rappers, I mean, he's the only one that a lot of black people would request. So they're, they're trying to avoid all black... A good amount of black audience. They want to be an all white audience white as much as possible. If it's just like when you see one black or two heads, that's fine. But they don't want to see a whole bunch of black people come from Newark or Patterson. They they try to avoid it at all costs because you have white people there whose parents pay money who don't want to see these black people. That's why. <laughs> they do want that to happen. So.
3: Went through all this effort to keep you niggas out of here. Defeated
1: this, yep, this the purpose to bring money. them back. Man. <laughs> Sure. Worked so hard. Well. Yep. Yep. Anywho, uh,
3: we will be back tomorrow. Uh, I am going to need some help uh, tomorrow, uh, the guests. It uh, it could be a repeat of yesterday's program. Um, I have been griping and sending nasty emails, and even when I don't send emails, I gripe and mumble to myself because a listener said, hey, you should have this guest on the program because she wrote this book talking about race and how people think about race, and what race means and all that, and very confusing subject. Uh, most people don't think that there's only one race, and they think there's a black race, and you've got a lot of different races, probably some of the people who listen to this program right now. Uh, so I said, okay, sure, that'll be great, we'll do it. And so then I start reading, and on the very first page, she says, well, and this is a non-white person, when me and my white husband had our child, and they wanted us to make a racial classification. And so from right there, it's just like, oh, man. Had I known this, I'm not sure I would have wanted to do this program because uh, per- permanent damage I that yesterday. It's just lots of confusion. Uh, when you get non-white people, gutter sex, tragic arrangements, uh, it just, Lots of confusion, defending white people and just not being accurate, truthful, honest about the system of racism, white supremacy. So it has been a real challenge for me to read uh, 300 pages of a jumble of confusion about racial classifications and not even talking about the linchpin of all these racial classifications. White is on top. Like, I feel like that just has not been in at any rate i am going probably going to need some assistance uh from folks who you know can wade through all of this and try to ask some questions and pick out something constructive and what have you because uh, I have been many moments where I just want to throw up my hands and be like man i cannot uh I can't do anything with this and uh yeah, that's uh so I will need help and plus it'll be at a non normal time uh it's early it'll be at uh 2:30 p.m. Eastern, real strange time. 2:30 p.m. Eastern, 1:30 p.m. Central, and 11:30 a.m. Pacific. Uh, and morning. The nature. Uh, the book is called The Nature of Race. Um, definitely not on my recommendation list of books to read about racism. Not even close. Uh, but that'll be tomorrow. Hopefully, we can figure out something that we can learn. Uh, particularly when talking to non-white people who are in tragic arrangements like currently, right now. Um, Yeah, that's tomorrow. At any rate, on the upside, Dr. Welsing will be here on Thursday, so that'll be nice to get that out of my system after tomorrow. Chatted up with Dr. Welsing Thursday evening, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Thanks for the folks who tuned in to the broadcast. Uh, For the folks who, I think it might be good if we could get um, Mr. Johnson, Gregory Johnson, Jr., his mom, or other relatives on the program, um, if folks want an assignment to see if they can find contact information, uh, I think that might be constructive, particularly to see what they might have to say about the current events uh, at that school, um, but just to get more information. Now, like I, said, I didn't even know about Mr. Johnson until today, so... Uh, if folks want to work on that, that would be cool. You can shoot me a message and what have you. Invest if you think the program is constructive, and tune in tomorrow, rest of the week. Anybody want to do the prayer uh, to wrap?
11: Gus, before you go, I have a guest to suggest for you. Uh, I don't know if you heard about a young lady from Tennessee whose baby, was his fetus was cut off? Oh, yeah. a circumcision. Okay, I, I heard them on a program, heard our attorney. Maybe you might want to see about if you can get them on as a guest, because this this is getting ridiculous, what's going on with our, our children?
3: Right on. Yeah, that uh, I did hear about that. Um, that would be two then two assignments. If folks have some free time that they want to investigate, uh, contact information uh, or additional info, that would be great. Uh, I think both of those would be constructive. Um, thank you for that suggestion, 404. Uh, anybody want to do the prayer to wrap things up?
10: You got something to pray?
3: Oh, you said you'll do it. Yep, I'll do it. Okay, cool. We'll All be right. back uh, tomorrow at the, as I said, not the normal time. It'll be earlier than normal. Two thirty p.m. Eastern, eleven thirty a.m. Pacific non-standard time and gus is already requesting help so be prepared dialing with questions uh not to fuss at her for being married to a white person or anything like that but just constructive promoting constructive dialogue and already know you will need to be patient she is a victim she is a victim she is a victim um anything else yeah that'll do it uh you can hit me on Twitter if you have questions or feedback at until justice, no strange spellings or anything else. At until justice. Uh you can visit non Mighty Wick's blog as well. y i t dot blogspot dot com. dot blogspot dot com. Uh the mail is gonna do the prayer, wrap things up, take
9: it away. All right. Um creator. Um, we ask you that you aid us in replacing white supremacy with justice and ending the system of white terrorism on planet Earth.
3: Ashe. Ashe. D-Train, Reckless 2.0. D-Train, Reckless 2.0. Vicus as well. Thanks all for tuning in. Context of White Supremacy signing out. We will see you all tomorrow.
12: Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, brother. problem. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning Shut up The man has programmed my conditioning Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned
13: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
4: Sorry, sorry, we're here We were getting lucky
8: in the limo and we lost track of time
3: (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry